We are not doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in the state. We are not going to be bludgeoning people with restrictions, and mandates, and lockdowns, or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis stated, while you're within state lines, you don't have to wear a mask. You do not have to get a vaccine. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks or vaccines. And you have the absolute right to expect whoever you want, whenever, and wherever, with COVID-19. Thank you for traveling with us, and enjoy your forever purge. The governor is doubling down. He says students shouldn't be forced to wear masks. If you are trying to lock people down, I'm going to stand in your way. Florida just requested 300 new veterans. Hospitals are filling up here. There is evidence that children are making up much higher cases that are emerging. The numbers continue to rise across Florida. This fall goes through This is insane. The Forever Purge, coming to a theater and live streaming networks near you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, humans of all ages. Welcome to a brand spanking new Thursday night edition of the Sea Report brought to you by yourselves, because it is yourselves that keep me here and on the air constantly. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys are doing great tonight. Uh, I am your host, Mr. C, and I will be uh, with you guys for at least a couple of hours tonight. Sometimes we do get a little bit of a bonus and we run a little bit longer, but uh, hey, we ain't going to talk about that tonight as far as we don't. But uh, man, that uh, that opening salvo there, that little, uh, what would you call that? Uh, that um, appetizer, the appetizer of uh, patriotic and uh, okay, well, okay, I, I have to be 100% honest with you guys, that just actually came across my desk. Um, thanks to one Aurelius Locke. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Um, so uh, apparently, 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 okay, apparently, um, the memers have gone into overdrive and they're making memes uh, that uh, really highlight the freedoms that um, Governor Ron DeSantis is fighting for. I would have thought... Uh, last minute, though, I noticed that uh, that video came from something called Remove Ron. So it's um, 
it's a cereal thing, right? Like they're cereal. <laughs> what is that all about? Well, um, I don't know, guys. Um, I don't know if you've seen that or not. Uh, clearly, some of you guys have, but uh, th that seems like a brand spanking new commercial commercial of sorts, right? I mean, do you think they're really going to make it a movie or do you think it's really going to come to a live stream near you somewhere? I have no idea. But um, I can't imagine how something like that's going to really um, 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 hurt Governor DeSantis in the long run, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, it made me want to go to Florida. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Oh, wow. Very cool. Thank you for passing that my way, sir. And uh, that was very fun to watch. Um, uh, it, it had all the hallmarks of a very classic horror film. Um, so I'm sure it was meant to deter someone if that's really not a parody. It's not a parody, right? I mean, Remove Ron, I think, is a real thing. Um, you know I'm going to have to do it, guys, because uh, <laughs> that was just quite interesting. All right, guys. Okay, here we go. I mean, check it out. <laughs> I think it's real. Remove Ron. I'll be jiggers. As my dad used to say, remove Ron. Since taking office, Governor Ron DeSantis has failed the people of Florida. Don't go to Florida, ladies and gentlemen, because he does not make you wear a mask and he will not make you have a vaccine passport. Interesting. <laughs> Oh, they need to update their numbers in that film, though. It says here 51,000 have now died. Ah, that's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Do you think it's here? <laughs> oh, my God. If this video is here, I'm going to die. I'm just going to kill over right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't want to see it again. <laughs> We'd like to inform you that we have officially entered Florida Oh my god! This is real, y'all! Please watch this short message from Governor Ron Duquesne on COVID-19. Thereafter, everyone on board will be required to comply with the state's forever. Oh my god. We are not doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in the state. We are not going to be bludgeoning people, restrictions, mandates, lockdowns, or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis stated, while you're in state lines, you do not have to wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask! You do not have to get a vaccine. Be afraid. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks. Be very afraid. And you have the absolute right to expect whoever you want, whenever, and wherever. Well. Nothing ever stopped me before. Oh my god. Seriously. Okay. 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 Just literally came across my desk like what? Okay, honestly, uh I think I got I think I got the text message probably like what maybe maybe at the most an hour ago but i've been a hustling dinner and all that stuff so when i checked it i was like what the heck is this okay cool well i mean you know uh, <laughs> i uh i trust my sources as as they say as i say and uh yeah well um i trust it <laughs> but check this out guys it's for real 
RemoveRon.org. Uh, I mean, I might have thought that this was a like a real estate advertisement for Florida <laughs> to try and get people to move over there. Um, I mean, that's what I would have done. I mean, uh, that that would be good parody, but it's good parody either way. But um, something tells me that it might not be parody, <laughs> but it might actually be like a big old. Uh, I don't know. That's going to backfire on them, guys, don't you think? <laughs> has it gone viral? It has to have gone viral already. I don't I don't pay attention to the social stream, so if that is out there, what a way to kick off today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Woo! Well, uh, we are coming to you guys live at uh, the foxhole.app.pill.net, uh, also at twitch.tv and clouthub. Uh, so welcome, 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 everyone. Already, I'm going to say welcome to uh, the friends over at the Foxhole. Aurelius Locke, thank you, sir. Tam Gorel, hello, Angel. And uh, also Tam Gorel, uh, giving us a can, a gift in a can over to the good old Mr. C channel. Uh, she says, cheers to today, for it comes only once in a lifetime. You're right. Uh, today, Thursday, September 30th, 2021, will only come once this lifetime, <laughs> and then it shall be forgotten. Unless we make it a memorable night, then this night shall live on forever, Tam Growl. <laughs> Aurelius Lux says it was a hilarious self-troll for the we can't meme left. Ah, they're, they're trying to meme still. You see what happens when they try and meme? They're like, I'm the best and the baddest at putting together a video with all of my graphics and filters and, uh, you know, voiceovers and sound effects. I'm going to show that Ron DeSantis. <laughs> you can't blame them for trying, but at the same time, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Good evening, Just V. How are you doing tonight? Uh, she says, that was funny trying to scare people. I wasn't trying. <laughs> I think they were trying. Uh, but yeah, that was good for a laugh, though. I see uh, I see tears of joy coming from her emoticons. So good evening, Sherry Pittsburgh. How are you? Uh, Tam Gural says, my governor is initiating the no mandates bill. Now, Tam Gural, we're not in the same state, are we? Or am I thinking of Skeeter Burke? Where are you at, Tammy? Let me know. So we can celebrate for you. We'll, we will do a toast to your governor. Um, and let's see here. <laughs> Imagine that. No dictator. <laughs> Good evening, 123SKG. How are you tonight? Um, and uh, let's see here. What else we got? It went viral on Twitter today. So say it I, I don't doubt it. I, I mean, I don't use my Twitter, but I might go check that out. Um, wow, that made me want to support Ron even more. Didn't it? That made me want to move to florida i'm telling you like i'm halfway there oh man and uh, yavapai michael good evening sir good good to see you i hope you're doing well and great to have you back in the chat good evening casual gg it is nice to have you present and accounted for as always oh yeah 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 just to be clarifies not you whoever made that ad i know right shame on them uh and and um and thank them for the good laugh, right? At least on our side of the line. Anyways, that was fun. Wow, thank you for uh, sharing that. And uh, I'm sure everyone out there is going to appreciate it. I guess that's brand new. I guess it has to be brand new, right? Because uh, I've never seen such a thing. I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it will uh, spread out throughout uh, the interwebs in half no time. Uh, Tam Growls in Oklahoma. Oh yeah, I feel like you told me that like months ago. 
Well, it's good to remember that now, Miss Tam Gural. Good for you. Good for the state of Oklahoma. We need a, we need an entire block of uh, states that will just simply oppose all of these overreaching federal nonsense that they're trying to do. In fact, we're going to talk about some of that tonight, you know. Uh, but before we do jump into that, ladies and gentlemen, I just do want to remind you guys, um, if you uh, enjoy the show here at The Sea Report, we are 100% um, 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 viewer and audience supported. I would not be here without you guys. And indeed, I would not be uh, doing some of the things that I'm doing without you guys and, uh, um, um, and you know, able to grow the show and expand it. So uh, two things. Things. For one, if you'd like to support the show, uh, please make sure that you share the link to our broadcast. Uh, again, we are on pill.net. We are on the foxhole.app. And if you're going to share the show, those would probably be the best two platforms for you to share it on. Otherwise, we are on twitch.tv and over at the Clout Hub. Now, Clout Hub also stores our shows for time indefinite. So if you're over at the Clout Hub... And uh, you, you want to share it amongst the rest of the Clout Hubbers over there? Share away um, your your uh, your uh, vocal support. You know your person to person support of the show. Uh, word of mouth is another word for it. Uh, goes a long way. It actually goes a lot further than uh, you know the almighty dollar. And that's only because uh, people uh, who like you, people who love you, people who trust you, will most definitely uh, trust your opinion on a show like mine. So that will most definitely help. And then also, um, we uh, also do take donations by way of gold pills if you're over at pill.net or at foxhole.app. Otherwise, we accept donations through Cash App um, at the address dollar sign M-A-C-X-5-X-5 or at PayPal, uh, which the address to that is M-A-C-X-99336. And then um, I do mention that also because we are currently doing a week-long fundraiser, probably just through Saturday, uh, just to see what we can do as I will be heading out to the For God and Country Patriot Double Down. Now, that's actually not quite the image I had in mind to share with you guys. Let me see if I can find the right one. Um, and uh, for the God and Country Patriot Double Down, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard about it, that is actually a Patriot event that is taking place in the uh, desert of Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, maybe I should say the desert oasis of Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, that is to be hosted by um, Patriot Voice, uh, who run the For God and Country um, Patriot events. Now, the last one they had was here in the great state of Texas uh, in Dallas, and that was the uh, Patriot, um, the Forgotten Country Patriot Roundup. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting ready for part two of that event, and uh, that is going to be called the um, Patriot, uh, Forgotten Country Patriot Double Down. And I think we'll have that graphic here on the screen for you guys in just a sec. So you all can see my screen has seemed to have gone black and now it's gone white. And there we go. There we go. Just a brief little write up of what we're doing now. I will be on the ground in Las Vegas for this event for sure. And again, because of a uh, listener and audience support, I'm able to do that. And uh, so we're just doing a little bit of a fundraiser, seeing if we can, uh, you know, uh, kind of offset any of the expenses that we'll incur with uh, traveling and, you know, eating out and stuff like that. But uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, everything that you guys have done to help me over at the C-Reports, Mr. C-TV, the Mr. C-Channel, 
Most definitely. Thank you so much. And we have a lot of, well, I should say I have a lot because I'm still currently a one man operation, uh, but I have a lot of uh, special events in mind for you guys, including covering the uh, event itself there in Las Vegas uh, between October 22nd through the 25th. That should be fun. Uh, that means if you guys are hanging out over there at the foxhole.app or at pill.net, hey, even if you're hanging out at Twitch or at Clout Hub, um, you will have the chance to uh, see this event. And, uh, you know, not, not to be a certain way, but uh, we will be there broadcasting live and in person. So why catch, another, why catch a borrowed live stream or feed when you can get the real thing over at the Mr. C channel? Should be a fun time. Uh, looking to um, cover the entire event, you know, speeches and uh, other types of discourses included. I am hoping to get some interviews as well as uh, doing some man on the streets activities and then, of course, we will be bringing to you the C Report live from Las Vegas, as well as Mr. C in the Dark live from Las Vegas. And uh, there's no telling what else uh, I might get myself into while I'm there. Lord knows when I'm in Las Vegas, I get into things. But I'll be on my best behavior, guys, because after all, I will be there representing the Patriot and America First community, and we've got enough smearage on our campaigns. We got enough mud slinging at us. You better believe I'll be on my P's and my Q's. My mom's already like, you better behave, son. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I'm only like, what? Only so old, but uh, oh, a mother's love. It, uh, it, it never, it never goes away. It, it only gets bigger, <laughs> no matter how old you are. And it's like, uh, bigger you get, the bigger it gets. <laughs> All you youngins out there who think it's not cool to like your family or love your mama. You'll learn in time. You'll learn in time. Thank you all for sending over donations already. Uh, what we got. So just V with the can for Vegas. Thank you. 123SKG with the ship. Thank you so much. Go represent in Vegas. Looking forward to your reports. It's going to be a fun time. I'm telling you guys, it's going to be a fun time. And uh, I'm also looking forward to uh, maybe even possibly, you know, um, running into some foxhole friends. Uh, I already know at least two, possibly three I'll be running into and you know who you are. Um, but uh, but maybe I can talk them into, I don't know, maybe doing an interview on camera or maybe being part of a panel. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be on screen, but we'll see what happens. I think that would be a great treat. Uh, for everyone, especially if, you know, you guys are always hanging out in the chat rooms and y'all you, you, are talking to uh, each other all the time. I think that would be a really nice treat. But uh, I'll leave that at their discretion. Tamgrel, thank you for the shades as well. Says you're going to need some cool shades too. You know it, girl, because I cannot be affording none of them two or $300 Ray-Ban FBI CIA shades. <laughs> Or whatever else it is at sale over there. Like, uh, they, they, I cannot believe people will drop like four bills on a pair of sunglasses. Plastic, right? When I checked it, it was plastic. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Good stuff, y'all. Uh, Tam Girl says, I wish you could go to that one too. Have fun for both of us. Oh, I'll have double the fun for you, Miss Tam Girl. And uh, if you were at the Dallas event, I'm sorry I missed you. I was actually authorized to be there as a member of the press. And in fact, that's how I will, that's the capacity that I will be at during this event. Um, I will be a member of the press corps. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're doing, uh, a lot of professional, uh, 
um, um, you know, things to make sure that they don't get any, you know, uh, bad press in there. You know what I mean? Like there is a whole vetting process and everything. So we'll see how it goes and uh, we'll see what access it gets me. I'm hoping I can be like, uh, 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 but inquiring, inquiring minds want to know, can Mr. C go on the happy hour VIP special? <laughs> You dare me to? I will do it if they let me. Oh, can you imagine being uh, on a uh, being on a um, one of those? Uh, what are they called? Uh, a, um, a big Ferris wheel pod is what I'll call it. Viewing pod. I don't know. I've been on it before. It's the high roller over there in Las Vegas. Imagine being on one of those during a VIP event with an open bar. Of course, I'll be working. Um, and uh, having patriots around you, like uh, you know, like uh, General Flynn or or Christina Caramo, you know, or or Frick Wendy Rogers. Oh my goodness, man! I gotta be on my best behavior if I'm gonna be around the likes of them. Oh man! And you know that actually brings a lot to mind, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we're talking about um, you know a lot of the news that's going on. I mean, it's uh, guys. If you just noticed, we are just in the last week of September. We know it's supposed to be a red hot October, but since since last week, so the last two weeks of September, news has been packing up like it has been stacking up. It's crazy, ladies and gentlemen, like, uh, you know, uh, I guess between what uh, mid-September and maybe I don't know. I don't know, June or July, you know, sometimes it was there were days where it was like, OK, you know, we're getting a lot of the same kind of replay and maybe a little bit more in regards to uh, what news is going on out there. But uh, man, it's like every day we're getting we're getting something to talk about, you know, and I think it's only going to become uh, even more engrossed. We're going to we're going to be even more engrossed with the upcoming news. More things are dropping. Like even as I was going on the air today, I was hearing things aside from this uh, remove Ron move to Florida campaign uh, video <laughs> that just came across. that just came across my desk. Um, you know, a lot of other things are starting to pop up. You know, uh, there's some more Durham stuff going on out there, you know, and uh, and oh, Texas guys, as you may know, um, they are uh, most definitely, we are most definitely going to do a forensic audit, but um, I'll be quite honest with you guys. Um, I have already read the bill for this full forensic audit that's going to be taking place next year here in Texas. And uh, they're only going to be looking at two sections, guys. I'm pissed, okay? Two, two things is all they're going to be looking at in this full forensic audit of the state of Texas, right? Governor Abbott, you boy, let me tell you what, because uh, according to the bill I read, one of the segments of this audit they're going to be looking at, according to the bill, is already halfway done or in process. Now, how the hell can a full forensic audit that was just requested of the state of Texas be halfway done or in progress already when they just uh, decided to do this uh, audit. I mean, I'm mad, guys. You cannot imagine how livid I am. We will talk about it more, most likely, on Saturday. Um, it's, uh, God, guys, like... Ugh. And, you know, it's almost as if they want the entire statute of limitations of the 22 months to run out in order for us to actually be able to do an effective audit. It's BS, guys. You never seen a bigger BSer than the state of Texas because you know we Texans are proud and I think we have a right to be, but, <laughs> but 
Talk about a load, ladies and gentlemen. They are not even going to inspect the ballots physically. That's not even anywhere in there, guys. They're not even going to look into how Arnold Schwarzenegger donated thousands of dollars to Cameron County in Texas. Did you guys know about that? We'll talk about that on Saturday as well. I am. Oh, boy. I'm so upset. So, so, so upset. Uh, but uh, I will not let my anger become me for tonight. Uh, we do have a very pointed show for you guys tonight. And uh, thank you, Casual GG, for dropping over a cookie. Put $1 on 17 for me if you get a chance. Uh, is that black or red, uh, Casual GG? Um, or, or is that racist? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, all right. Okay. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we have a pointed show for you all tonight. Let's go ahead and bring up uh, tonight's header for you all. Uh, as promised, we will be talking about... Oh, 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 first things first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> first things first. The, um, the fake White House, ladies and gentlemen, that we patriots have heard about, have known about, have wondered about, and have even gossiped about has been confirmed. And uh, it's not over in Georgia, and it's not over in, uh, you know, a suburb in California, but it exists, ladies and gentlemen. So that'll be the first thing that we will be talking about tonight. Um, after that, uh, as promised, we will uh, do a recap of the uh, Senate hearing on the Afghanistan, Afghanistan withdrawal. Now, I know that uh, this um, I know that this uh, story is, uh, you know, it's been it's I'd say it's been pretty well covered, but up to the minute almost. Uh, but, you know, no one brings analysis and coverage like I do here at the Sea Report. And uh, so uh, I hope you guys will stick around for that. I think you will enjoy it. And then finally, we will be looking at the NDAA 2021, uh, which uh, brought to us some provisions that included red flag laws for gun confiscation. So uh, as promised to some of the viewers out there, I would be addressing these stories. So for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are actually not going to jump into uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and that's not to say that there are not things developing over there. And they are right now, guys. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think for all of the uh, all of the talk and uh, all of the uh, sharing I've done on the sea reports that it's really hit me yet. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. I feel like maybe I've been too caught up in the moment of, of expressing and sharing and, and you know, uh, disseminating information. Um, about how we as Americans should really, really feel about what happened in Arizona. And I think because of all of the media hoopla, all of the uh, all of us just like, you know, maybe the word would not be jaded. The word would be preoccupied. Maybe we're so preoccupied with uh, all of the news that's coming at us uh, and we're absorbing so much that we don't take a moment to kind of step back and really, really look at what it is we're seeing. Now, we've covered Arizona here from day one at the Sea Report. We've waited for this moment for the, uh, for the audit report to be complete for so long. 
Indeed, maybe it would hit me if they decertify, but here's what we risk. Here's what I risk, maybe not you guys, but maybe what I risk is, is, is while I'm so uh, supplanted in the uh, process and I'm not looking at the very uh, important, um, you know, um, um, facet of what has come out, ladies and gentlemen, quite literally, since not all of America is doing it because not all of America is being thus informed, Americans should be screaming their heads off in anger. They should be tearing their roofs down. They should be marching in the streets because after all, we have what? Three to 400,000 votes that were confirmed to be invalid. I mean, that's three to 400,000 votes confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. We should absolutely be screaming in rage. Um, we should absolutely be like pounding on the doors of the Capitol building or the White House, uh, you know, sans the insurrection kind of thing. Um, like it, it is a huge deal that I just I don't know if I it just hadn't hit me. Maybe I was still in shock. I don't know. But but seriously, though, three to four hundred thousand votes uh, fragmented in different ways from duplicates to copies to uh, to ghost voters to dead voters to it's all there laid out we guys know it you guys know it and perhaps you guys have expressed your rage or you know have come through in prayer uh, diligently over this matter but I'm telling you guys like uh, I'm surprised I did not like you know hit the roof. Um, whenever I saw and, uh, you know, shared the report with you guys. But at the same time, it was also information we had already known for months, you know. So I guess you could see where, you know, our reactions might be a bit watered down. It was not like an aha. Uh, we got a moment, even though indeed we did get them. Like, this is solid, guys. Like, right now, right now, the people of Arizona need our support more than ever because they are not going to get a decertification and they are not going to get indictments if the people of Arizona don't stand up. So we have to support them. You know, we can call their legislators on our behalves and on their behalves, but ultimately their legislators are going to listen to their own constituents. So we have to support the people of Arizona. We need to pray for the people of Arizona. We need to pray that they, you know, they have the uh, the wherewithal to follow through from this point forward. We need to pray that they have the strength to carry on. We need to pray that uh, we need to pray that they have the eyes to see and the ears to hear uh, and uh, and the mouth to speak. You know, so to speak. Uh, we we really need to back them up right now, guys, because it all falls on our brothers and sisters in Arizona. Quite frankly, to be quite frank, it falls on them. Uh, as respective states are, you know, enumerated with their own powers. That's what we all got. That's what we all deserve, right? That's our last voice. This is our last stand is here in our home state, okay? Our states are our last stand, okay? Because the federal government is out of control, as we will illustrate through the NDAA 2021 um, um, Act that was passed in the House, okay? It was passed in the House. And, oh, we're going to get some of the hypocrisy that's flying around there, too. I think you guys will get a kick out of that as well. <clears throat> okay, guys, so not to be too long on it today, uh, let me welcome all of you all back into the show. Anyone that might have uh, trickled in, Deborah Erdman, good evening. Pilled by the Rabbit, good evening, sir. It is good to have you with us. Glad y'all could join us. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let us get into today's report. Things were stacking up again as I was going on the air. 
uh, we just found out, or I just found out, that uh, President Trump also has a brand new interview. So uh, there we go. We're adding 15 minutes to the show. So, <laughs> so let's go. Uh, let's start with uh, what President Trump has to say. Um, and uh, some of his uh, some of his um, um, uh, writings, press releases uh, that have been uh, out. He was uh, he was dry yesterday, guys. He was dry yesterday, and the man does need a day off. But uh, he came back with a vengeance today. That is for sure. Let's see what President Trump had to say. Excuse me. A uh, short statement to begin with, it says, uh, if Democrats are able to piece together their huge tax hikes, called by another name, it will mean an additional 40 Republican seats in the House and at least a few additional Republican senators in the United States Senate. Very interesting statement, President Trump. I wonder what those tax hikes could be. Uh, could it possibly be in the form of a bill that's like, what, 2,000 plus pages long? Could be. Next statement from President Trump says, uh, snuck into the government funding bill, or CR, the Democrats are trying to pass and just found is unlimited money to random, unscreened, unvetted Afghan nationals. Republicans can't let this happen. This is a further insult after Biden's humiliating withdrawal from Afghanistan that needlessly killed 13 Americans. This is not a clean government funding bill. It's a major immigration rewrite that allows Biden to bring anyone he wants from Afghanistan for the next year. No vetting, no screening, no security and fly them to your community with free welfare and government-issued IDs. We've already seen some of the horrible assaults and sex crimes that have taken place, but these terrible assaults will just be the tip of the iceberg of what's coming if this isn't shut down. The CR even covers uh, people who don't live in Afghanistan and haven't in many years, as long as they used to live there. So Biden and Blinken can load up planes of former Afghans from Pakistan or elsewhere without any limits, checks, or even a lawful visa or refugee status. The only rule is that Mayorkas, an incompetent radical, give them a green light. The bill must be opposed. Hmm, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty bad, guys, and uh, I'm pretty sure you all would feel the same way. Um, looks like what they're looking at is uh, the, uh, hmm, continuing, uh, continuing something, funding. <laughs> that is, uh, wow, that, that does not spell out good things for us, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, uh, we just talked about how they have, what, the Taliban over there in Afghanistan, uh, from, the Taliban from Afghanistan who defected living in Pakistan. I mean, so it's very quite possible that the uh, Afghans who are living in uh, Pakistan could be Taliban defectors, right? And then what would that do? <laughs> That would only help them even more. Um, I mean, the uh, terrorists and, and of course, you know, uh, anyone else that uh, decides to try and attack our country. That's um, 
the continuing resolution bill, $29 billion, uh, quoted to be for disaster relief, uh, but apparently there's a provision in there to bring over terrorists to our country. Now, to be sure, that is not me saying that, uh, you know, uh, everyone who comes from the Middle East are terrorists, but um, I don't know. Hollywood and uh, the White House and the mainstream media, they haven't done such a good job of painting a different picture themselves either. So why take it out on the Patriots, right? All right, very, very bad news. Hopefully uh, something comes of that differently. Oh, is this the same one? It looks like the exact same one. Let me check my work here. Poop. Oh yeah, it is. Next statement, okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> Pardon me. It goes this way. The Immigration Reform Law Institute is fighting for you and me. They fought in the courts against the left to defend my immigration policies that make America great. Now they are pushing back against Biden's destructive immigration agenda that weakens our great country and puts all of us at risk. I strongly encourage people to support the Immigration Reform Law Institute in their mission to protect our borders, our nation, and our people. Very cool. Uh, a nice, a short, and sweet message there from President Trump. Let me tell you what, um, I'm glad when things like that come up because, uh, you know, much like what, um, the National, uh, what, uh, were they, the National Archive, you know, the NARA, like, if there had not been a story about those guys going woke, like, I, I mean, I've heard about the NARA. I am aware that such an organization exists, but it's not something that, you know, really comes to the top of the mind whenever we're talking about, uh, you know, need to know or um, things that you remember about our government. I would have just called it like, I don't know, the National Museum or something like that. So anyhow, look at what we got here. <clears throat> uh, we got uh, Deborah Erdman in the chat room. And uh, Deborah Erdman is dropping all of the phone numbers to the representatives in Arizona that need to get our phone calls. Thank you, Deborah, for doing that. Uh, we got Wendy Rogers at 602-926-3042. Uh, we have Sonny Borelli at 602-926-5051. We got uh, a Attorney General Brnovich at uh, 602 Five four two five zero two five, and I'll repeat that one because this man is important right now. Agent uh, Attorney uh, General Brnovich six zero two five four two five zero two five. And you know, if you only have one call left on your cell phone, if you only have five minutes left of your time on your cell phone, if you only have time in the day to call one person, I would say call Brnovich. Uh, because um, he is absolutely key right now, very essential. He is very essential. And um, um, thank you, Deborah, for posting those in the chat. And uh, now it's being relayed across the interwebs and in the podcasts. Awesome. Good job. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. Yes, Tam Growl, I totally agree with you. Uh, Texans, let your opinions be heard. Blow up some phones. Get proper audits. That's It's a BS audit bill. I don't even know how they think that they're not going to get in trouble by doing that. Like, And I, we've, got, we've got issues with our secretaries of state. You know, since Governor Abbott has been in office, we've had five secretaries of state. 
Since he's been in office, we have had five secretaries of state, which means one does something for the deep state and dips out. The next one does something for the deep state and dips out. The third one does something for the deep state and dips out. The fourth one does something for the deep state and dips out. No accountability to be held. That's what I think is going on here because they know exactly how important the secretary of state position is. It is just getting my, it's making my, Ooh, it's getting me as red as my, my blazer, guys. Let me tell you what. Um, let's see here. Uh, Mitradate coming in. Uh, Mr. C, you think Foxhole will require hosts to be vaccinated? Um, Mitradate, I, I suggest you get into pill.net and get on the DMs. Um, look up the mats or methods. And why don't you ask them that question yourself? <laughs> and it was good to know you, Mitradate. <laughs> Okay, uh, Hodges, Hodges, Allison, nineteen sixty nine. Thank you for donating some gold pills to the show. Uh, Twelve uh, hundred. Thank you so much. Um, hi, Mister C, dropping by to help you on your trip. Looking forward to catching your show on replay. Indeed, ma'am, and that's what uh, the replays are there for. Uh, thank you for uh, sending some love and saying hello. Much appreciated, uh, Hodges, Allison, nineteen sixty nine. Definitely appreciate you. And Sean Joe gifting some cookies. Good evening, Sean Joe. How are you doing tonight? Uh, C-Sense at work. You better believe it, guy. We were on it today. Okay, guys. So with that said, we are going to hop into our next uh, portion here. That's going to be a brand new interview with President Trump. Let me get my screen readjusted to ensure the highest sound quality for my viewers and my listeners. Okay, that should do it. Now, this one is brand new as of last night, uh, so that's why we'll be playing it today. Now, this is President Trump on the uh, David Harris Jr. show, um, which I think is on Real America's Voice or Real America's News. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken, uh, but uh, it seems like it's a pretty good interview. Seems like the spirits are pretty high uh, in this interview, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I hope you guys are too. I know you guys are too. I'll see you guys in about 15 minutes. It's a short one, uh, but it's a good one. All right, y'all, enjoy. Oh, 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 and uh, just for fun, call Doug Ducci. <laughs> that's a good one. I've been calling him uh, Governor Baducci. Governor Ducci, that sounds much better. 602-542-4331. And why don't you give him a piece of your mind, America? Oh, no. It's a, it's one of them commercial things. Okay, here we go, guys. Sorry about, hey, at least it's soldiers or police officers, right? Okay. As I introduce and bring in the greatest president we've ever had, President Donald J. Trump. Are you kidding me? All right, go ahead, patch him in. Is this Mr. President Hello. Donald J. Trump? It is. How are you? Hi, are, David. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. How's it going? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I'm so excited to have you on the good. show with me today. Good, Dave. Good. Thank you so much yeah, for taking good. the time, Mr. President. Well, you go ahead. You go ahead, David. You've been a good friend. Well, thank you. You've been an amazing friend and amazing president to all of us. And I, I put it on my social media I let everybody know that we were going to be doing this interview today, and I was absolutely flooded with not just messages of love and support for you. So many of my followers wanted you to know how much they love they love you, and they're praying for you, and they believe in you. And then I got a lot of great questions as well. Okay, well, let's go. So, so many people right now in the country feel like it's over. They feel like it's too late. They feel like the 2020 election was rigged. 
and that they got away with it. Yet in your rallies, Mr. President, I hear you say that we are just getting started and that the best is yet to come. What does that mean to you? The best is yet to come. Well, the election was rigged, David. It was rigged. You know it was rigged. And you just look at the Arizona audit and all the things that they found and uh, incorrectly reported by the fake news. But they found uh, thousands and thousands, much more than you'd need, thousands and thousands of uh, the votes that were were just uh, false and disgusting or phantom or anything you want to call it, uh, far more than would be needed to overturn and you have other states now, as you know, looking at it very strongly. And we'll have to see what happens. I mean, it's uh, moving along, and Arizona is moving along. They continue to push. Uh, the Senate in Arizona was very brave, frankly. But now if you look at other states, whether it's Michigan or whether it's Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, uh, they're all going forward, and we'll see what happens. I don't need many of them. I need two, two or three, depending on size. And uh, we're going to see what happens, but uh, it's a disgrace that our country is going to hell. If you look at what's happening, you know, just take a look at the, the current events with Afghanistan, the withdrawal, where we lost those incredible soldiers and many wounded, by the way, that nobody talks about, and $85 billion worth of the best military equipment in the world. It's a disgrace. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Yeah, it's an absolute disgrace. And even more of a disgrace is the fact that most of the mainstream media and even Joe Biden continues to try to blame you. It's disgusting. He hasn't followed anything that you put in, in well, play. Well, they do. And all they do is all they have to do is if they didn't take the military out first, what fool would take the military out first? They took the military out. They left the Americans behind. They left the equipment behind. The military wasn't there. What can they do? They, they, it, it was over. The other side didn't have to fire a shot. They took over. The equipment they took over the country without even firing a shot. Who would take who would take out your military first? A child would know better. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Yeah, and then they blame everybody else. But uh, and people get it. People get it. People are getting I'll it. I'll tell you who gets it better than anyone, David, are the parents of those thirteen yes. incredible warriors. Those those people they really get it. They know what happened, and it's uh, unbelievable that that could have happened. And I agree, we get out. And I really led the path for getting out. But that final withdrawal would have been easy compared to getting rid of 100% of the ISIS caliphate, which I did, et cetera, et cetera. It would have been very easy, but they blew it, and they, they did a lot of stupid things. But the big one was taking the military out first. So you have all of these Americans that became instantaneously hostages. Yeah, and, and still you left all of that incredible equipment behind. It's such, so horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Um, there's, there's, the the generals, the top brass right now are actually, you know, this week uh, they're they're speaking. Do you think anything will actually happen? You know, the the lieutenant colonel Scheller, he actually came out. He said, why isn't anybody being held accountable for the debacle and the death that's taken place uh, at the hands of our military, our 13 brave men and women? He's now thrown in the brig for just daring to ask for accountability. Now we've got the top brass and these generals that are testifying before Congress. Do you think anything will actually happen? Would you think anybody will be held accountable? Well, maybe not. It's one of the greatest miscarriages. When you take a look at what happened, it's the most embarrassing military event, I think, in the history of our country. It's possibly the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened. We surrendered to the Taliban that has knives. 
and we have uh, F-35s, okay? They have knives. We left hundreds of thousands of the finest rifles, the uh, the goggles, was the night goggles, which are better than our soldiers have. They're newer models. We left tanks. We left planes. By Can you imagine not taking out planes? All you do is no. bring in some pilots. They fly them right out. Yeah. And they left these incredible aircraft, some of them brand new. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen in terms of incompetence, followed closely by, and not even that closely, as bad as the border is, I think Afghanistan is in a class by itself, but but followed by the border where we have hundreds of thousands and now millions of people flowing into our country totally unchecked. Yeah. We have no idea who they are and what they're doing. So let me ask you this. Um, would you have a plan if you were... I still, you know, for for the better part of a year before Joe Biden actually became the president on paper, I like to say, that's all he is. He's a president on paper. I don't uh, think he's a legitimate president whatsoever. But I said for the better part of a year, if for some Hail Mary chance of a reason, Joe Biden got in office, well, he's in office now. So I'm I'm saying now, if there's a Hail Mary chance of a reason that we can get Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, these states to decertify the election and actually for you to take your rightful place as the commander in chief, as you should be of this country, what would your plan be for the millions of illegal aliens that are already in our country and those that are still flooding in? So it was rigged and all of that, and people are looking at it now very strongly and the states are uh, doing things about it. So we'll see what happens with respect to that. Uh, but what you would do is, number one, you have to patch up our military. You know, I rebuilt the military. They gave away a lot of the equipment that I bought. It was brand new. We rebuilt the military. We did Space Force. We did all of these things. We took care, care of our vets better than anybody had ever done it. 92% approval rating on the vets. I mean, think of that. Nobody's ever seen that. It was always horribly run, and we did a great job with that. What you're going to have to do is you're going to see, you're going to have to find out who's coming into our country because people are pouring in. Are they terrorists? Are they murderers? Are they killers? Are they uh, drug dealers? They're all of those things. And we're going to have to find out who they are and we're going to have to get them the hell out. So um, let me switch gears a little you bit. You know, jails, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but jails from other countries, jails are being emptied out into yeah. the United States. Yeah. If you take a look at Guatemala, Honduras, you take a look at El Salvador, maybe Mexico to a large extent. But now it's many other countries because they're coming from other parts of the world. They're coming in from Africa. They're coming in from Asia. They're coming in from other parts of the world. And uh, literally jails are being emptied out into our prisons, being emptied out into our country. Uh, so you got to get those people out. Have we have we passed the May point not be of no politically return? Correct, but that's the way it is. Have we passed the point of no return in your in your opinion with the 1.4 million mm -hmm. estimated illegals that have come in? Like you said, you know, I know I know there's got to be some good people that are in there that are just trying to make a better life for themselves. Who wouldn't want to come to the United no. States of America? We're the greatest country, the greatest, most benevolent country in the history of the world. There's a lot of people that do want to come, but I agree with you and I understand there's a lot of people that have no care whatsoever for our country or our laws that are getting into this country. Right. Uh, how would we get those people out? And have we passed the point of no return? Are there too many people mm -hmm. in here spread all over the country now as they're being flown all over the country once they get in? Have we passed the point of no return to even actually put a handle on what's taking place? So, David, the, the 
statement that you just made and the question that you just asked, are we past the point of no return? The answer is no, but it gets tougher every day. When you see the kind of numbers, I'll bet you you're going to have six or seven million people. You know, when you hear 300,000, 400,000, that's just for a short period of time. But you can multiply that times five because most of the people aren't caught. Right. They're not apprehended. They're not stopped. Nothing happens. And the ones that are stopped, we're releasing them anyway. So it doesn't even matter. But you're talking about millions of people are coming into our country. We're going to have to find out who they are, where they came from. And in many cases, you're going to have to get them back. You're going to have to bring them back to their countries where they came from. Yep, I agree. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Project Veritas. I know you uh, have uh, been very privy to some of what James O'Keefe and Project Veritas have done. Yeah. Uh, they've released three very disturbing videos just over the last week, one exposing HHS, one exposing the FDA, and just last night exposing Johnson & Johnson where two uh, Johnson & Johnson employees literally said kids should not get this vaccine. Have you seen these videos? And if so, what are your thoughts? Well, the problem is, because I think James is fantastic, but the problem is that the fake news media doesn't like putting him on. They don't like, you know, they cancel everything. Like they canceled, to a large extent, the great results from the uh, audit in Arizona. Yeah. And so I know James came up with, I heard about it very strongly, but you don't see it very much in the media because they won't put it out. James is incredible, the job he does. Yes. But uh, the media doesn't want to put that stuff out because it makes Biden look bad and they want to protect him at all costs. It's, it's really pretty amazing, actually. So Joe is for mandatory vaccines, literally saying that companies with over 100 employees should mandate the vaccines for all their employees I know I've heard you say it before, but I want you to set the record straight. Would you ever be for mandatory vaccines for our country? It's not necessary for a different reason. You know, when I was president, there was nobody backing up on vaccines. Everybody wanted the vaccine. Now nobody wants the vaccine. And I'm very proud of the vaccine. I did the vaccines in less than nine months. It was supposed to take five years. So I'm very proud of the vaccines. I took it. You might have taken it. A lot of people I know took it. But, you know, you can't take away people's freedoms. I will say this. When I was president, there was no backup on the vaccine. Everybody was trying to get it. And we gave out millions and millions of doses. I mean, literally. And it was run much better than it is now. And now all of a sudden you have people backing up. And that's because they don't trust Biden. Well, and I'll say this. You know, while I appreciate your Operation Warp Speed and putting everything in motion, uh, the companies that actually created the vaccines, I think, is what people have an issue with. Uh, I have not taken the vaccine. I believe it's my body, my choice. I believe that my God-given immune system is going to be better uh, than, than anything else. But the adverse reactions that we're hearing about, the adverse reactions that the nurse uh, that works for HHS shared that are taking place in people, the mainstream media is stifling it. They don't want people to hear about it. I'm wondering if you're concerned about those adverse reactions that are starting to be reported a lot widely, a lot more widely now. Well, I'm more concerned with the mainstream media because I think they're so corrupt, if you want to know the truth. I think the vaccines have saved millions of lives, maybe maybe tens of millions of lives worldwide. I think I really think this would have been another 1917 where they lost almost 100 million people. I think this would have been something would have been horrible. But I'm, I'm very concerned about another part of the question, and that's where you talk about the mainstream media, because they do cover up. They cover up a lot of things, and that is getting to be very dangerous. And it's never happened like it has now. 
Yeah, that's so true. The mainstream media, even in one of the videos, Johnson & Johnson, the employee said, don't listen to the mainstream media. They are the enemy of the people. Uh, I was praying about this interview today, Mr. President, and I really felt like I should ask you this question. Uh, kind of a personal question, but I just felt led to ask you, how important and how much of an impact did your mother play in your role of being the champion for America that you are right now? Well, a very important part, and I had a great mother, a wonderful mother, and she uh, she worked very hard, and she was very smart. She came from Scotland, and she was uh, just a terrific person, and she had a big impact on me, absolutely. Both my parents did. I had great parents. That's so good. And uh, I got one more question for you. I know you used to, uh, the, the country's so divided right now, I think this will speak to a lot of people. You used to uh, identify as a Democrat, then you identified as an independent. What led you to become the champion that you are now for the conservative Republican Party? So I, th I saw what was happening with the Democrats, and this was happening a long time ago. And as I got more and more involved politically, I just realized I was a Republican and conservative. And, you know, it's uh, it's done well from, for the country. You look at all the tax cuts and all of the things that we've done, the regulation cuts maybe are even more important than the tax cuts. So prior to COVID, we had the greatest economy in the history of the world. There was never anything close to it. And even afterwards, before I left office, it, things were great. We had very low inflation. Uh, gasoline was doing about a dollar eighty-seven, less than two dollars a gallon. Now it's five and a half dollars a gallon. That alone creates inflation because everything needs the, you know, energy and the fuel, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's we had we did a great job, and uh, you know I made we made a lot of good decisions, and they're not making good decisions now. And the worst of them all in terms of the embarrassment to our country was Afghanistan. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, there's nobody, people from Europe call me, they see what's going on on our border and they can't even believe it. We're like, a, we've become like a third world country. Yes. Unfortunately, we have. We need your leadership. My t-shirt right now says, make tweets mean again. I sure would love some mean tweets and some real leadership yeah. in the Oval Office, Mr. President. Well, we just need leadership. You don't need mean or nice <laughs> tweets, actually. You just need you need leadership. You need a really proper decisions because the decisions made over the last eight months, I mean, look at where we've gone. Yeah. Our country is being destroyed. So I don't want to leave it with such a negative note. It can be brought back, but uh, every day is, is very tough on our country. A lot of bad decisions and, frankly, a lot of bad people. Yeah, and I don't think your, your tweets were mean. I think a lot of them were just very direct and people, uh, they have hurt they feelings. Direct, there's, yeah. there's a lot of so soy boys and girls out there. Well, I hope you know yeah. how proud I have been to have you as our president, greatest president of my lifetime. You have so many people that are praying for you, believing for you, and hoping that you get back into your rightful place as commander in chief of this country soon. Well, you've been my friend right from the beginning, and I won't forget it. And go keep doing well with the media and everything else you're doing. We're proud of you. Thank you so much, Mr. President. God bless you. you. Thank I'll you for joining you. me today. I'll see you soon. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, ladies and gentlemen. Just wow. Actually, we'll keep that big. That was a great interview, guys. That was a really good interview. Um, sorry about that, Ohio Kimmy. I was reading someone else's uh, message whenever, <laughs> whenever I typed that in, Tesla Dove. 
I mean, I would polka with you too if you want. But um, okay, uh, that was a really good interview, guys. Like, uh, it's gonna start to happen because um, okay, I can't. I you know, this is definitely a conversation for another show. And I think if you all have been following along or watching, um, you know, the uh, my show here at the Sea Report or any of the other shows that we do here on this channel, you'll probably know how I feel about this. Um, but, uh, and aloha, Christina Fontana, welcome, Positive Vibe 72, I see a bunch of you guys coming out of the woodwork right there. Um, but, uh, but guys, seriously, um, um, how can President Trump not know about the side effects? Obviously he knows, obviously he knows. Now, um, rather than go off into an hour-long diatribe about what I think <laughs> is going on, we will save that for another night. Uh, uh, trust me, guys, we're, I'm trying to get it together right now. Um, a show to specifically for all of us to kind of like let it all out, you know what I mean, in regards to what we're thinking and what we're feeling. But um, uh, uh, needless to say, there are a whole lot of other things going on here. You know, my 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 briefest of summations would be um, if uh, President Trump uh, acknowledged all of the side effects and then told everyone to stop and then he became president tomorrow. Do you think COVID would go away or do you think he'd be back to square one? That's all I got to say. Okay. All right. So with that said, let us carry on and carry forward because we still got some ground to cover. We're at the top of the hour or the half hour, depending on how you want to name it. Let's talk about the fake White House, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So this story pretty much just broke, even though, isn't it funny how, um, just like, uh, just like the ballots, uh, just like the uh, gene therapy inoculations, uh, just like this White House. We seem to have known about this for quite some time. It was like, uh, you know, uh, fed to us somehow. Uh, sub Maybe it was like one of those 100th monkey syndrome issues, but just for patriots, where the uh, general knowledge amassed in our subconsciousness spread throughout those of the like mind. I don't know. I'm just saying. But um, so we, we've always kind of gathered that uh, from the moment that Biden stepped onto the White House for his inauguration, that that was not even the real White House. <laughs> and we've always gathered that uh, just as there was a fence put around the White House and the lights were dark at night, that it was shut down. Okay. And uh, then from there, we all could speculate on exactly why it was that we felt that the White House was not being used. Was it because they're doing renovations? Was it because they're doing fumigations, like Nancy Pelosi said in one of her interviews? Was it because, uh, was it because uh, Biden's an illegitimate president and they would not allow him to step foot into the Oval Office? Well, I don't know, guys. I mean, we can still speculate about the whys, but um, now after, what, eight months, uh, it's it's broken wide open. I mean, it's out there. It's in the news. Now, it's not in the mainstream media, obviously, uh, but uh, it is it is making rounds in the independent, uh, you know, um, journals out there. Uh, why don't we uh, why don't we revisit a real quick clip? for you guys, and I'm sure you all remember it when you see it. Now, I'm warning you all, as particularly if you are new viewers of the C Report or anything on Mr. C Channel, uh, I believe in freedom of speech, so uh, you will see swamp creatures from time to time. Uh, but keep in mind, it is for the purposes of documenting their treason. So hold on to your lunch and your dinner, ladies and gentlemen, because here comes a swamp creature now.
<laughs> there it is. All right, guys, here we go. Whether he knows it yet or not, he will be leaving. Uh, just because he might not want to move out of the White House doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration ceremony to inaugurate a duly elected president of the United States. Mm. And the, uh, I just, you know, I'm second in line uh, to the presidency. And just last week, I had my regular continuation of government briefing. This might interest you because it's, I say to them, this mm -hmm. is never going to happen. God willing, it never will. But there is a process. It has nothing to do with if the certain occupant of the White House doesn't feel like moving and has to be fumigated out of there because the presidency is the presidency. It's not geography or location. So, so much for him. I wouldn't spend so much time on it. That's a victory for him because then we're not talking about your first more important subject, which is what are we going to do to stop this vicious virus? Shut up, Nancy. Okay, did you hear what she said, guys? You guys remember this, right? Do y'all Did y'all remember this? I'm sure y'all caught this the first time around. She said, because the presidency is a presidency. It doesn't matter about geography or location, okay? They had always planned to not have Biden in the White House, okay? Because uh, either the White House was actually shut down, you know, or the they were actually not letting him into the Oval Office. Nancy Pelosi spelled it out perfectly right there. And, you know... For all purposes, uh, intents and purposes, we might have thought that she was speaking specifically about the inauguration. But when you think about today's story, you, it, it kind of makes more sense, you know, that uh, she she spelled it out clearly. Um, it's not about geography or location. A presidency is still a presidency, which means even if we don't have the ceremonial White House of yore, we're still going to run away with our fraudulent administration. And so now the story is broken about this fake White House. Well, I, I mean, actually, this is not even a fake White House. Uh, this, is, this is a set of the interior of the White House, which is amazing because we've seen this before, guys. We have seen pictures like this. Let me expand that for you real quick. We've seen pictures like this. And for those of you watching on the podcast, it is a uh, picture of uh, President-select Biden sitting at his little desk uh, in a supposed room of the White House with light panels and studio lighting above his, like a whole rig of lighting above his head. Now, some of you guys might say out there, especially if you're out there in uh, in uh, liberal land, oh, but you know, uh, they have rooms set up with, uh, you know, um, studio lighting and rig lights uh, at the White House. I'm like, I, I would say, you know what, maybe in the press corps room they do, where they do their White House press announcements. I've seen that there, uh, but this is not that room. And in fact, this is not the only uh, photo that we have to share with you guys on that regard. But I remember clearly seeing, uh, and I'm sure you guys do also, at least two other photos where they were in the Oval Office, you know, with the uh, the gold uh, wallpaper and the big old brown desk, and you know, a um, a a full a full scale or full a pullback um, photo shows you the White House Oval Office with Biden and jerks in it. 
And it's clearly a set because the room ends <laughs> and there's, again, uh, light riggings up ahead. There's a camera tracks and then a concrete floor. Like, uh, how do you explain that if it is not a set? Is that not what a movie set looks like? Of course it does. You guys know. We all know. We've seen it before. Let me go ahead. I'll expand that for you guys. So, And I'll remove that so you guys can see it. Uh, for those of you on the podcast, uh, we're going to look at a few photos. Now, these photos, actually, I got off of Breitbart.com. And so if you'd like to see them, um, you can check it out there. Uh, but in the meantime, I will be uh, going through these photos. Uh, guys, I'll be describing it for the podcast audience. And of course, we'll continue. Uh, now, in regards to this uh, White House set, um, it says the White House has developed a special video set for President Select Joe Biden's events that are broadcast online or include video conferencing. Oh, oh, wait, this guy's right here. This right here, guys, this building that you're looking at. And for those of you who are uh, listening, uh, we're showing a photo of the video where this White House set is said to be located. Okay, so the White House set where they film all of uh, Biden's interactions, engagements, and, uh, you know, I guess teleconferences uh, is said to be located uh, in the South Court Auditorium of the Eisenhower Executive Office Building which is across the street from the White House. So uh, that is the front face of the Eisenhower Executive Office building. And uh, here you see a photo of the White House uh, across the street or adjacent to the Eisenhower Executive Office building. So uh, here's the White House, of course. And then uh, here is the Eisenhower building. And this is where they say that they have created the studio set for President Select Biden. So can you guys imagine, can y'all guys imagine that uh, whenever you have, uh, you know, this uh, illegitimate joke hosting someone from another country, they're going down Pennsylvania Avenue. And then uh, I guess right before they get to the White House, they say, oh, we're going to this building instead. Uh, the White House is being fumigated. <laughs> I bet. I bet, I bet, ladies and gentlemen, I bet. Uh, Tesla Dove, that is not Castle Rock. Uh, Castle Rock is located in uh, California in a suburb. And if not, it is the fake White House that is on the movie set for uh, Medea. Was a, uh, oh my God, they got a fake White House over there. I gotta go see it. Yeah, in Georgia. So T Castle Rock is either in Georgia or California, but I think it is the uh, suburb white house in california okay that is not castle rock that is the eisenhower executive office building is what i just said anyway so <laughs> all right so uh yes that is what that is now now uh to tesla dove's point castle rock is what we patriots have heard about and have uh, you know there's been speculation about it being fake of course no one could ever go in there and prove it right but uh do you guys need me to pull up castle rock california <laughs> So you can see it because I know what I'm talking about. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Okay, but no. So yeah, just as I'm saying, um, uh, uh, we've we've heard about Castle Rock for a long time, guys. Like we've known about Castle Rock, uh, but but in fact, it seems that. Uh, now, now, this is also what I'm saying for those of you in the chat room, is that the, the reason why I would also say that this is not Castle Rock 
because Castle Rock is a fake White House. This is merely a studio that houses rooms that look like the interior of the White House, where from what I understand, Castle Rock is an actual looks like the White House construction um, of said White House. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I don't know if I can find a picture. Okay. But uh, yeah, and, and that's just the funny thing slash fun thing about it is that we've been told, we've been told about this through whatever media it is that we read and or listen to and or watch that, uh, that uh, even, even in the Q drop, Castle Rock was mentioned, right? Okay, so uh, to our, oh, look, here's the one, here's one that I saw. Okay, here's another one. I know you guys saw this one. Now this one, I know you guys saw this one. We all saw this one. This is from months ago, guys. Uh, we were all, uh, this one is, this one does say Castle Rock media event. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that is Castle Rock, but, uh, that's what that one says there. Let's go ahead and pull this back up. Oh yeah. So there we go. Okay. So, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I'm looking for the photo of the Castle Rock, uh, White House, but I am not finding it. I don't know. Does Medea come out on Castle Rock Studios? I'm not sure. I've never seen a Medea movie. Um, let's see here. Photos. Mm. I'm gonna be too long on it. Okay, let me. Uh, let's let's keep going because otherwise I'll get you know you know me guys. I tend to get caught in rabbit holes all the time. Um, okay, so anyways, this is uh, again a photo of the uh, Eisenhower Executive Office Building um, next to the uh, White House in. Uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, let me see here. Let me pull my notes back up for you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so um, uh, I guess this was discovered uh, when uh, President Select got the jab. It seems that that, uh, I mean, look, at, if you look at this, look at this picture here, guys. Look at this right here. You can tell this is fake. And what we're looking at or pointing out is the window pane with an image, I guess, of the Rose Garden behind it. It looks so fake, okay? It looks so fake. Here, let me expand that for you. <laughs> Look how fake that looks. <laughs> like, it's so fake. It is so fake. Like, and I guess that maybe is where if they started to call their bluff on it. And uh, you could see here, even right up here, you see the lighting panels. Um, and then let's move on. Here's another view of the room. Let me see if I can uh, shrink that for you guys. Uh, this photo shows, hold on. Come on, legs, work with me. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do a scroll. More of the lighting panels up top. And again, you're going to have those people that say, well, the White House is equipped with those. But look at this, even this up here. These collars and pillums, pillums, these col columns and pillars, they don't even extend to the ceiling. Like, uh, this is all old architecture in the White House. Why would they have a need for fake walls, fake pillars, you know, fake columns, a fake window, fake, uh, you know, fake outdoors? Uh, it's, it's clearly, it's clearly uh, manufactured, fabricated. There's fake old Joe. And uh, there's no telling to what reason these people have that they're, they, they have this set up, this set up this way. Like, why would they need to do this if they are not being allowed inside of the White House? Uh, okay, a little bit more. Now, um, let me see here real quick. Uh, so, 
anyway, so um, we saw that picture of the Rose Garden through the window, fake, obviously. Here you see, I guess, apparently there are solar panels uh, outside of the White House somewhere. Look at this is a row of solar panels that we're seeing. Look, let me blow it up for you guys again. Right behind them, a nonstop row of solar panels. When have we ever seen any kind of that bull at the White House? Like, I mean, we would see it, we would know it. How many aerial shots of the White House do we get? Have you guys ever seen any solar panels like that at the White House? I know I haven't. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, that was, uh, oh, 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 according to the article, those uh, solar panels only appeared during a Biden event on global warming. So apparently, <laughs> Apparently, that's all they do. Uh, now, these are behind-the-scenes photos of the set that includes a wide array of lighting, digital equipment, and optics to make the president look as good as possible or as real as possible on video and to make it look like he is speaking to the world from the White House. Uh, President-select Joe Biden pictured there with... Um, oh, no, no, no. That is, uh, that's Antony Blinken. Oh, those are photo credits. My bad. And uh, yeah, so um, uh, there's a lot of uh, online controversy, obviously. Sorry, the photos, I cannot get them to shrink. No, typically, I can get them to shrink and expand. Okay, but uh, let's see here. This is a, uh, um, a sound rig right here. Let me expand that and move that over. There's Joe hiding in the crack over there. It all is, it's just a crack. But so you can see all the wires and electronics that are hiding him. Okay. And you know, I think I know what it is. Let me do this. Aha! Uh -huh. Figured it out, guys. It just took me about half the episode. All right. And there we go. Okay. And then here we go again. More of the lighting fixtures, all that stuff. It's just fake, 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 fake. And um, yeah, I mean, that is uh, very interesting. And I, I don't see how that cannot uh, set the uh, internet on fire, if you know what I mean. Um Definitely a lot of online chatter. Uh, some people think this is his media strategy, whatever that means. Um, and um, I don't know. Uh, it, it kind of reminds me. This could be his basement for all we know. <laughs> it could be his basement uh, at this time. And I'd like to see if we have news reporters during Circleback Saki sessions ask her about this. Heck, are they even in the press corps room in the White House? That's an even better question. But you know what? I tell you what, if this story goes viral, the media will have no choice but to ask her because we are the news guys. And if this gets out there and everyone's talking about it, they cannot ignore it. And then they would be like, uh, uh, circle back. Um, um, uh, so, um, uh, what, what can you tell us about the, uh, fake White House that we are currently reporting from and that your boss, uh, does his conferences from? <laughs> oh, I'd love to see it. Wouldn't that be a fun time? I think that would definitely be a fun time. Anyways. Okay, guys, let's move off that story. Very funny. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Why do you have to scare me like that? Okay. All right. Now we're going to get into... The uh, Senate, uh, the Senate's hearing that we had on the Afghanistan withdrawal, which is actually more formally known as the Senate Armed Services Committee on the uh, uh, botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Actually, uh, that's not what they officially called it. 
but um, but that's exactly what it was all about. Now, again, uh, this story uh, came to us on Tuesday uh, is when it was born uh, amid uh, amid um, controversy hearsay. Well, actually, it was from his mouth, uh, right, right from the horse mouth. Uh, that uh, Lloyd Austin said he was not going to attend. Now, uh, to be sure, uh, Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin of uh, Raytheon and Military Industrial Complex Hood was in attendance, as well as was um, Woke Milley, Vanilli uh, General Milley, and and another uh, another general, um, uh, Commander of the United States Central Command, General Kenneth McKenzie. And uh, these three blokes were present on Tuesday for this uh, Senate committee hearing on what the heck happened in Afghanistan and why was the withdrawal so botched. So uh, we've been sitting on this one, waiting to deliver it to you guys. Now, <sighs> the first thing that I think that we need to get out of the way, and and I think it is something that uh, it would had to have come up either way in this hearing, okay? Because again, this hearing is about the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. This hearing is not about General Victoria Woke Millie and, you know, all of her little, like, girl things, okay? Because it seems that uh, this this hearing is, is pretty much what that started out to be, you know? Uh, General Millie just, you know, had to make sure that he got all of his, uh, his own little things out there. You know, we're talking about this one here. <laughs> I know you love it. Uh, General Victoria Milley, the uh, the I'm still in the closet, don't ask or tell, um, um, ge woke general of the military. Now, um, he, he, you know, because he was so busy with his books and so busy with his press and the paparazzi, getting his nails did, making sure that, uh, you know, his feet weren't, you know, uh, um, too, uh, too, 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 uh, callous, you know, and, and other things like that. Uh, this man simply had no time to uh, analyze what was really going on in Afghanistan, it seems. And one would wonder, uh, why would that be, General Milley? Why was Afghanistan not important to you? And there's a lot of things that we could deduce from this, and we will definitely deduce as we go along. And like I said, this hearing was about Afghanistan. And just like the situation in Afghanistan, he made it all about himself. But uh, if I may say, ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly the kind of attention and in-the-closet fag like him wants. So we carry on. Now, Millie did defend his call against uh, his call to the uh, Chinese Communist Party. Um, um, and uh, in regards to how he promised to warn them of a possible attack. Now, this one, again, like I said, it was going to come up because it was put out there in the media, because uh, these book writers wanted to slam Trump, and I guess somehow they saw this as a beneficial distraction, one that definitely whirls circles around people's head, especially when you have a flamer like him um, on the run, trying to defend himself at any cost. And you know, oh, those general facts are just so cute that they can get away with half about anything. Well, those days are over, General Milley. Um, to this day, at this moment in time, even after hearing how General Milley defended himself, and trust me, flamers like him are good actors. So, you know, the way he articulated his reasons, if you were just a bump on the log sleeping normie out there somewhere, you probably would be like, he's right. 
I agree with General Milley. Listen to his words. But no, ladies and gentlemen, the fact still remains that this man warned our number one enemy. And not only did he warn them, and we'll dissect this as we go, just a sec, but not only did he warn them, his statement to them was, per this damning book, if we were going to attack you, I'd call you. Okay, so let's see what was going on with this. Now, uh, the calls that were made from General Milley um, to his Chinese counterpart uh, happened on the 30th of October and also on the 8th of January. Okay, and uh, according to him, these phone calls were coordinated by Secretary Esper, fired, okay, fired. Now, I know the sauce or the receipts or none of that's come out on that, guys, but I'm telling you, he was fired because he was busted um, cooperating with the enemy, the woke enemy that was going to be part of the insurrection on the ground on the 20th, the 20th, if not the 6th. And uh, he got busted on, on freaking Zoom talking with a, an extremist, um, 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 nihilist Antifa sympathizer, otherwise known as uh, uh, Mary Mary uh, St Stefanik Estefan, Marie J. Estefan. Anyways, that was her name. She used to work for the Pentagon. She went on a sabbatical so she could go plan an insurrection on the ground, and then also to teach all of the left-leaning bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., how to slow roll every piece of legislation, every bill, every memo that President Trump put out from, like, November through January. And guess what, guys? They accomplished it. That's why we are where we are today. That's part of why we are where we are today. The kinetic insurrection that was supposed to happen, I believe, did not happen because they caught Mark Esper before he could give them the green light because that was part of the plan. So Mark Esper, he's the one that set up a phone call with Millie. I believe he's the October 30th setup. Now, according to Millie, uh, the December, the January 8th phone call was set up by acting Secretary Miller's staffs and the interagency. So initially when I read this, I was like, oh my goodness. So Miller was in on it too. But then I read the rest of the sentence and it was not actually uh, acting Secretary Miller who uh, requested this phone call of Millie. It was his staff and interagency. Now, where that goes from there, I don't know. Uh, is the Senate committee on this um, situation uh, on armed services, are they going to explore that? It doesn't sound like they are. But uh, that is what the information was relayed. Okay, so uh, so with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, with with these two, these two um, 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 approvals, I guess you could say, with the permission given to Millie by Secretary Esper and by the uh, staff and interagency of Acting Secretary Miller, this, this joke here has cover because the main thing about him making these phone calls to China that everyone seems to focus on is a matter, a question of authority and power, which is that uh, he, was, he was injecting himself into the chain of command and going over the head of the commander-in-chief which on its face exactly is what he did, but because he was following the orders of his higher-ups, he's technically alleviated and or absolved of that crime. But, like I said, 
that is what they are focusing on. That is not necessarily the treason of it. That's just him breaking chain of command, which can also be seen of treason if he did that on his own. So now they would have to ask Mark Esper, who I think was actually fired because he was committing treasonous activities behind the scenes. Okay. Now we have to move on with that. And where do we get to the treason right now? Millie, uh, Millie said that the specific purpose of the October and January calls was generated by concerning intelligence, which caused them to believe the Chinese were worried about an attack on them by the United States of America. Now, we'll pause there again, because we know for a fact, and even President Trump has said this, and he, he, he was quite animated about it. President Trump said that that was impossible because President Xi of China knew for a fact that President Trump would absolutely never strike China and he had no intentions of attacking them with a nuclear weapon or otherwise. Okay, so my main question would be, why would um, Victoria Milley then ask his Chinese counterpart or, or I, I'm sorry, tell his Chinese counterpart, uh, we would let you know if we were going to strike, okay? That's the hinge right there. Because it's one thing for him to tell his uh, Chinese counterpart, whom he might have known for, what, 20 years? Like, he's known this Chinese ding-dong forever, right? Apparently, that's what he said. And so he's like, oh, you know, I've known him, we're friends, and I was just calling him up to reassure them because they were afraid that, uh, you know, we were going to strike him. So I was just calling him to show him, look, we're not going to strike. But then even, even so... Uh, Victoria Millie, even if you knew this Chinese ding dong for 20 years in your position as the chief of staff of the United States of America for the armed forces, why would you so cavalierly say we're not going to strike you? And if we were, I would call you and let you know. Even if you guys are bed buddies, you cannot say such a thing to another state official who happens to be the number one enemy of our country. You cannot say that. I mean, unless you mean what you say, okay? And you just cannot do that, okay? So needless to say... Ladies and gentlemen, um, I am not the only one who felt so strongly about this. We had uh, some members during the uh, hearing that called him to task. Um, uh, let us witness one uh, Vicki Hartzler and uh, some of the questions that she had to ask in regards to this phone call. Let's check it out. General Milley, a question that uh, you, you made a comment earlier uh, that you'd be, uh, well, I wanted to ask you, did you tell General G when you talked to him on the phone that if we were going to attack China that you would uh, let him know ahead of time? I'm, I'm sorry, could you get the microphone a little more in front of you there? Make sure it's on. Yes. So this is a longer conversation. You know, it's a VTC with, uh, with General Lee. And there's a body of intelligence that leads up to this. 
that was persuasive to Secretary Esper, myself, and many, many others, uh, that the Chinese thought wrongly that the United States was going to attack them. I am certain, guaranteed certain, that President Trump had no intent to attack. And it was my task to make sure I communicated that. And the purpose was to de-escalate, calm you, things You shared down. all that earlier, and, I understand. And as just, part of that... I, just say, did you or did you not ask, tell him that if we were going to attack, you would let him know? As part of that conversation, I said, General Lee, there's not going to be a war, there's not going to be an attack between great powers. And if there was, the tensions would build up. There'd be calls going back and forth from all kinds of senior officials. I said, hell, General Lee, I'll probably give you a call, but we're not going to attack you. Trust me, we're not going to attack you. These are two great powers, and I am doing my best to transmit the president's intent, President Trump's intent, to ensure that the American people are protected from an incident that could escalate. I understand your intent, but I think you articulating that, that you would tell him, you would give him a call, I think is worthy of your resignation. Uh, I just think that's against our country, that you would give our number one adversary that information and tell him that. I understand your intent. Go Breitbart. Okay, yes. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Hartzler got him. Okay, because you heard him in the course of a conversation uh, uh, through through the process of me reassuring him and, and wiping his butt. Um, um, uh, I, I might have said I would call him. <laughs> he said it right there, ladies and gentlemen. Even if it was, hey, I'm your friend, uh, whatever. That's he he's on record right there saying, yes, I might have said that. She says it's worthy of a resignation. I say that's worthy of treason, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And the matter was pressed on him further. Oh, yes, it was, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We had let me see here. Who's next? (laughs) <laughs> Not you, Millie. Um, we had uh, next um, um, Representative Mike Turner of Ohio. Now, uh, Representative Turner, uh, he definitely pressed Millie on this. Basically, what he told him is that um, he wants the transcripts. He wants the receipts. He wants to read his words for himself. But not just over that, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about um, we're talking about Millie going over and um, inter- interjecting himself basically into everything. Let's let's see what he says. With indignation in front of the House and the Senate, you have commented on the statements in the press concerning your phone conversation with your counterparts, generally in China. Let's be clear. To give you some help with the indignation. Those comments were in the press because that's where you put them. Now, you claim that you had information, and it's all over, that that China was worried about an imminent attack. You did not tell the president, the vice president, the, the White House chief of staff, the national security advisor, the secretary of defense, the secretary of state, the director of national intelligence, either of the relevant committees in the House, including the Big Eight, which you know include Intel. You didn't tell the Intelligence Committee. You didn't tell the Armed Services Committee. You report that after you took upon yourself to have this phone conversation, that you told them of the conversation heard, not that China believed that we were going to imminently attack them, which, by the way, has never been true in my lifetime. And it may be true since they believed it. That's why they're 
digging ICBM holes faster than they can fill them with ICBMs. But you chose instead to handle it yourself with a phone call. So, uh, General Milley, you offered all of the concerning intelligence, and I'm going to request that you provide it to us. Uh, I would like you to provide us the relevant intelligence information that you based uh, your belief that China was going to, to believe that there was an imminent attack. I also want your request for declassification of the approval that you released that information that China believed so, including your request for declassification of your conversation that you had with General Lee and any approvals. I want a transcript of your call with General Lee. And I also want any readouts, memorandums, notice of calls or, or outcomes. Now, you chose to talk to reporters instead of us. And that's great. It's a great concern. No one in Congress knew that one of two of the major nuclear powers thought that they were were perhaps being threatened for attack. Now, Mr. Secretary, that turns my questions to you then. Mr. Secretary, if you learn that Russia or China believes that they may be subject to an attack by the United States as a member of the president's cabinet, do you believe that information should be handled at the cabinet level and with the president, with the National Security Advisor, the Secretary of Defense? Do you believe the chair and ranking member of Intel and the House Armed Services Committee and Foreign Affairs Committee need to know these? Or do you believe that an, a, the, a belief of the possibility of an attack by the United States against Russia and China is appropriately handled by the, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a phone call with his counterpart with one of those nations? Please tell me that you believe it elevates to the level that you would elevate that to the cabinet and to Congress and not just have it be subsequently told to us all by newspaper articles in The Washington Post and The New York Times, as General Milley chose to do. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, uh, obviously, we would want to follow standard Stand protocol on what you when described, you described it. it. Oh, my goodness. That man just ran over all over them. That was awesome. Uh, is what I would, uh, is what the type of uh, actions that I would uh, consider uh, taking. But General Milley, uh, as what I heard him say yesterday, and I, I think again today, is that uh, his chain of command, the Secretary of Defense at the time, uh, was was aware uh, of of the actions. And so after what he said yesterday is after. I'm sorry. No, no, that's Milley. not correct. What I said yesterday, today, if I could hold on to saying everybody, um, time has expired. Mr. Turner is very clever. He made a very direct attack as his time was expiring. I'm going to violate the rules here a little bit and let Chairman Milley respond to that direct attack, hopefully briefly. Um, and then we'll move on to the next witness. With respect to the intelligence, I have it right here. I'll be happy to share it with you. Great. I guarantee that that intelligence was disseminated to in the president's PDB, the vice president, the DNI, the uh, director of CIA, uh, the secretary of defense, uh, the assistant to the president for national security affairs, uh, and others. That was significant, and there was a lot of it. It wasn't just a singular report. There was a lot. I'll be happy to share that with you and go over to you with you line by line. Uh, and it was significant, and it was concerning to the point where Secretary of Defense Esper, uh, Admiral Davidson, and myself, along with others, had conversations about it. And I was directed by Sec then Secretary of Defense Esper. Uh, first, he directed his uh, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Asia Pacific Affairs to make calls, and then me. Same thing. Uh, this is all done with oversight, and I tried to lay that out in the memoranda. 
I tried to lay it out in a timeline in an unclassified way that you can use it. And, as you can and we're, we're going to, I'm sorry, we're going to have to leave it at that. I'll be happy um, to take it up at a later date. Your convenience. Ding, man, the drama. Oh, my goodness, guys. I don't know if you guys caught any of that. But, uh, you know, Esper was a left-leaning hack, though. That's a thing. Like, this dude, he was deep state swamp creature. Esper was. That's why his butt got fired. Anyways, God. okay. All right. So, I, I very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, welcome into the show, WC Cranop. I saw you out there somewhere. Uh, Sergeant Peterson, welcome. First time I've seen yourself uh, come up to the surface. Good evening and glad to have you a uh, part of the uh, audience here today. All right. Let's keep on moving along because uh, we still got a little bit of ground to cover here in regards to the hearing. Because we're still talking about Millie. I told you this is what Millie wanted. That's what these flamers are into. And I can say that because, you know, if you know the show, you know. Uh, let's talk a little bit because we got they got into this topic also. Here we go again. Two swamp creatures. Um, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. It's just uh, you guys don't know the half of it. Okay. <laughs> Millie and Pelosi. There you go. It is. Uh, it is. <laughs> It is the uh, it is the queen mother and you know the little uh, flaming sun. Okay, so during this um, uh, during this hearing, also because it, it was the it was the Victoria Millie show when it began, right? Or throughout almost the whole thing. Uh, forget about Afghanistan. We got to talk about Millie and uh, the color of his pink panties today. Uh, will he be wearing that tutu? Millie also he explained about uh, how he had received his phone call. From uh, Hoods Pelosi, that's an old nickname we have for uh, uh, um, Pelosi here at the Sea uh, Report. Now, uh, Hoods, Pel Hoods Pelosi and her inquiry about the uh, president's ability to launch nuclear weapons. Now, you guys probably remember this story, and you guys probably remember seeing it, like, on the air when uh, they were talking about Pelosi, talking with Millie, asking if he could launch because he was crazy and he was assuring her. And we're all kind of sitting there like, why are they even having this conversation? Oh, they're trying to take away the nuclear code from him or, the, you know, all that stuff. Like you guys, you guys remember this. I know you guys remember it, right? So uh, this surfaces again, of course, because of that dumb book that, uh, that uh, Millie just had to be a part of, right? Now, um, uh, um, uh, he, uh, he said, uh, he said this in regards to that, uh, about the president's ability to launch nuclear weapons. He said, I sought to assure her that nuclear launch is governed by a very specific and deliberate process. Um, and two days after, uh, I guess, uh, you know, the, uh, Capitol cap, uh, the January 6th, uh, false flag riots at the Capitol, um, uh, Victoria Milley spoke to, uh, Speaker Hoods Pelosi, who was growing increasingly concerned about President Trump lashing out and using military force. Uh, even though, you know, Lloyd Austin already had the tent mouth, uh, the, 10th mountain mountain division in his back pocket. You know, he was already teaching them all about gender equality and how to be gay and then in the Navy or in the army and, and, and how to accept it and, uh, and how to, uh, turn into a woman. Okay. We already saw those videos guys. I don't know if you were here for that show, but that's probably like back in July. Okay. Um, 
And uh, okay, so according to the book that uh, Millie was so intent on paying attention to, as opposed to paying attention to what was going on in Afghanistan, uh, it said this in regards to uh, Millie Vanilli and Piglosi's conversation. Uh, it said, uh, this is bad. Now, this is, this is Piglosi speaking. This is bad, but who knows what he might do. Uh, he's crazy. Uh, you know, he's crazy. Uh, he's been crazy for so long, a long time. So uh, don't don't say you don't know what his state of mind is. Okay, that was Piglosi. Uh, uh, to to which her son, General Milley, says, uh, "Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything." Okay, so General Milley, who as President Trump's top military advisor, um. Tried to reassure Piglosi that he could stop President Trump, which is, you know, kind of putting himself into the chain of command. Uh, General Milley is uh, to have said, according to this book, the one thing I can guarantee is that as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I want you to know that I want you to know this is in your heart of hearts. I can guarantee you 110% that the military, use of military power, whether it's nuclear or a strike in a foreign country of any kind, we're not going to do anything illegal or crazy. And I really don't believe that this man speaks in such fluid, complex sentences. Uh, but apparently that's what he told her, or at least it's some version of what he told her. Uh, he also offered similar assurances again to his Chinese counterpart that same day. And after speaking with Nancy, he uh, convened a meeting in the war room at the Pentagon with the military's top commanders. And he told them that he wanted to go over the long-standing procedures for launching a nuclear weapon. The general also reminded the commanders that only the president could order such a strike, but that he, General Victoria Milley, in the closet, needed to be directly involved. He said to them, according to this book, the strict procedures are explicitly designed to avoid inadvertent mistakes or accident or nefarious, unintentional, illegal, immoral, unethical launching of the world's most dangerous weapons. Which, again, I think if you were there in the war room, he probably did not say that sentence exactly. And uh, then he went around the room and asked each of those officers to confirm that, guys. I Really, when I think about... Hoods Pelosi, Nancy Piglosi, whatever you want to call her, Skeletor, and uh, woke Victoria Mark Milley. All I see is a in-the-closet flamer and a fag hag. <laughs> I, mean, quite, I mean, he's reassuring her like a, a, a den mother fag hag. Like, uh, I promise you, mama, we're not going to blow anything up. <laughs> Madam Speaker, <laughs> I agree with you 110%. Like, it's terrible. Oh, my goodness. This stuff is ripe for comedy. <laughs> I'm telling you. I think only one third of America would get it. But hopefully they would be in the audience. Anyways, okay. All right. Uh, let's move on. <laughs>
Oh my goodness. I don't even, dare I even look into the chat room right now? If I do, I will totally get sidetracked. Okay. Let's go on to, uh, we're still, we're still in the hearing guys. That was just general Millie's part. I told you she wants attention. She wants attention. She probably feels really good about herself right now. Look, even in the photos, she's front and center. She's like, just take the hit for us, Millie. Take one for the team. We know you do it all the time, girl. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Okay, back to the hearing. Okay, we're almost done with the hearing, guys. I told you we were going to recap it. Uh, catch the replay if you missed some of my finer points. Uh, okay, so uh, both Mackenzie and Millie confirmed under oath. Uh, Mackenzie's the third one in the shroud way at the end uh, that they recommended against uh, uh, illegitimate joke Biden's withdrawal timeline. And they warned of an impeding, impending collapse of the Afghan government. Now, uh, I'm sure you all probably know and or realize it's probably been run into the ground that, um, yeah, like uh, who's telling the truth here? You have these fellows under oath. And you have uh, um, uh, someone who is uh, in the most highly respected office in the world. Not that the person who is occupying that office is highly respected, but the office is supposed to be highly respected. Now, their statements clearly contradict those of illegitimate joke Biden's previous claims that no one told him at least to keep 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin, as well as uh, who knows who McKenzie is down there at the bottom, also said that uh, illegitimate Joe Biden waited 10 days after Kabul fell to ask for an assessment on the August 31st withdrawal deadline. According to the Wall Street Journal, the uh, top generals told Biden to keep 2,500 troops on the ground while they evacuated Americans and Afghan families. Uh, from the Wall Street Journal, uh, the president's top generals, including chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Army General Mark Victoria Milley, urged Mr. Biden to keep a force of 2,500 troops the size he inherited while seeking a peace agreement in uh, between warring Afghan factions to help maintain stability. Uh, Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin, who previously served as military commander in the region and on the board of Raytheon, said a full withdrawal would not provide any insurance against instability. In a series of meetings leading up to his decision, military and intelligence officials told Mr. Biden that sec uh, security was deteriorating in, Af in Afghanistan, and they expressed concerns both about the capabilities of the Afghan military, and we all know about the Afghan military, and the Taliban's likely ability to take over major Afghan cities, which they were already doing prior to the withdrawal. Mr. Biden, however, was committed to ending the United States military role in the country, the uh, president told his uh, policy advisors the United States was providing life support for the Afghan government, which in his view was corrupt and had squandered billions of dollars in American assistance, according to the current and former administration officials. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Uh, record scratch. Ah, what did they just say? Okay, did Biden really say this? 
Did Lion Hyden Biden really say this? Did he really say this? He told his policy advisors that the United States was providing life support for the Afghan government, which we know was true. And uh, in his view, the Afghan government was corrupt and had squandered billions of dollars. Lion Hyden Biden said that? Really? Really, Joe? Did you really say that, Joe? I want to see the transcripts. I want to see the transcripts right now. I don't think he said that crap. What are you talking about? That was, uh, that's our stance right there, guys. We know about that. We know that Afghanistan was where they were, the massive uh, money laundering country for all of the, what, the main players in the, the globalist regime, all the crown colonies. Uh, everyone was laundering their money through. All of the intelligence agencies, they were all laundering their money through Afghanistan. Corrupt as the day is long on the, I don't know, on the, on the, uh, on the, on the summer equinox, you know, like long day. Okay. Sun's going to be out forever that day. It's probably out another hour or two than it normally is. And yet, according to the wall street journal, uh, Biden told, uh, his advisors that that's why he wants to pull out. He wants to pull out of Afghanistan because it is one of the most corrupt money laundering units in this world but he wants to leave them billions of dollars in uh, <laughs> equipment and he wants to leave them stacks of cash on pallets. That makes no sense, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if Chewbacca lives on the moon with the Ewoks, it makes no sense. I call to acquit. All right. So here we go. According, and that was also uh, also according to current and former administration officials. So I can understand the former administration officials saying something that because after all, the former administration are probably the ones who assess this properly to begin with. Anyways, okay. So uh, apparently Biden had to pull out quickly before he inherited a corrupt baby. Okay, so he says, it says here, uh, 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 getting back to the Wall Street Journal, uh, he wanted to reorient American foreign policy onto what he sees as more pressing international matters, including competition with China uh, and domestic issues, including infrastructure and battling COVID, which all makes sense for what the Joe Biden and his uh, junta are trying to do, uh, make friends, make friendly competition with China, right? And uh, 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 provide for domestic issues in infrastructure by uh, ignoring it and uh, passing a whole bunch of critical race theory laws and, uh, you know, uh, 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 gender bender laws and all this other stuff. Um, and it says here, uh, who cares what Joe said? Anyways, okay. It, it was just a quote from Joe. Um but uh, the article did note that Joe Biden hit at Camp David <laughs> as the Taliban seized control of the presidential palace of Kabul. Uh, Biden, according to uh, these uh, men who testified the last two days, did not listen to his military advisors. And Bagram Air Base was closed in early July. Okay, early July. Now, guys, uh, for purposes of documenting, uh, documenting treason, um, 
I would advise you to put on your uh, Patriot colored goggles and get out your barf bags. We're doing this. Uh, I'm trying to, okay, well, let's just do this. Okay. Brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, and members of the podcast audience. Uh, we're going to air this uh, interview between two of the biggest pukes in the world. Uh, one, uh, George Stephanopoulos and uh, illegitimate joke, go uh, sniff your granddaughter's hair, sleep with your nephew, and uh, be a pedophile creep boyd all around. Our beloved false president himself, for the first time on the screens of the Sea Report, here's illegitimate Joe Biden. Interview since the U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan. And George, we know you pressed the president on the aftermath of that withdrawal, those frantic scenes at the Kabul airport, thousands of Americans and Afghans desperate to escape as the Taliban tightens its grip. Yeah, that's right, Amy. And the president promised for the first time that the U.S. military would stay as long as it takes to get all Americans out. He was also defiant, insisting we had to get out now, admitting no mistakes. Back in July, you said a Taliban takeover was highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong, or did you downplay it? There was no consensus. You go back and look at the intelligence reports. They said that it was like more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. You didn't put a timeline out when you said it was highly unlikely. You just said flat out it's highly unlikely the Taliban would take over. Yeah. Well, the question was whether or not it, the idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. Senator McConnell said it was a predictable that the Taliban was going to take over. Well, by the end of the year, it said that that was a real possibility. But no one said it was going to take over then when it was being asked. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the Taliban, uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off, that was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. So the question was, in the beginning, the, the threshold question was, do we commit to leave within the time frame was set, we extended it to September 1st, or do we put significantly more troops in? I hear people say, well, you had 2,500 folks in there and nothing was happening. You know, there, there wasn't any war. But guess what? The fact was that the reason it wasn't happening is the last president negotiated a year earlier that he'd be out by May 1st and that in return, there'd be no attack on American forces. Okay, I'm pausing it there real quick. We're gonna do a little dissection. Okay, so uh, first of all, this man is just jumping around with everything. And I, I don't know, maybe some of you guys did not see this because I wouldn't have watched it, but other than the fact that I need to have. Um, <laughs> but again, he keeps saying no one would have anticipated a total collapse, but on the tail end of that, when we're talking about, uh, he's asking, uh, this, this idiot here is asking this other idiot here, you know, was it a failure of leadership? Was it a failure of strategy? Was it a failure of this, this and that? And he's like, it, it wasn't a failure. Let me put it another way. 
And then he says, uh, he says, he, he, he blames it on the Afghan government, which I could partially be there. He says, uh, when you have a, when you have a leader leave, he, he fled the country, the Afghan president, President Ghani fled the country. I know I've uh, said this uh, till I'm pretty much blue in the face. And this man who was installed, he was a Western backed globalist leader installed into Afghanistan who used to work for the IMF and used to work for the United Nations, okay, fled the country because this was not part of the deal. And then when you have the collapse of the military who just left their equipment, and what do we know about the Afghan military? They were basically mercenaries. They were paid. They were the highest paid military in the world. And when the checks stopped rolling out, they stopped fighting. It had nothing to do with whether or not they lost the heart to fight. And that's addressed later in this hearing as well. Now back to this puke show. That's what was done. That's why nothing was happening. But the idea, if I had said, I had a simple choice. If I had said, we're going to stay, then we better be prepared to put a whole hell of a lot more troops but in. But your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. Joe, all you have to say is, no, they didn't, they lied, or no, uh, I was wrong. I mean, <laughs> he just answered the damn question. You're saying that they didn't tell you that? No, what he said is that uh, th they didn't say it, it, it to be in the timeline that they had said it to be, but they might have said it, but the timeline, like, <sighs> look at his face, guys. I know you don't want to, but look at it. Do you see that? He's worried. He's like, do you believe my lie? Does it sound real? Or I don't know, guys, does that look like a mask and maybe James Wood is hiding under there? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, I should have not. Uh... So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Look, George, the reason why it's been stable for a year is because the last president said, we're leaving. And here's the deal I want to make with you, Taliban. We're agreeing to leave if you agree not to attack us between now and the time we leave on May the 1st. Less than two months after I was elected to office, I was sworn in, all of a sudden, I have a May 1 deadline. I have a May 1 deadline. I got one of two choices. Do I say we're staying? And do you think we would not have to put a hell of a lot more troops? We had, a, we had hundreds, we had tens of thousands of troops there before. Tens of thousands. Do you think we would have, would have just said no problem? Don't worry about it. We're not going to attack anybody. We're okay. In the meantime, the Taliban was taking territory all throughout the country in the north and down in the south in the Pashtun area. So would you have withdrawn troops like this even if President Trump had not made that deal with the Taliban? I would have tried to figure out how to withdraw those troops, yes. Because look, George, there is no good time to leave Afghanistan. 
15 years ago would have been a problem, 15 years from now. The basic choice is, am I going to send your sons and your daughters to war in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, in perpetuity? All right, guys, this interview is uh, six minutes more, and I'm not going to play it because, look, look, he said himself, the Taliban were already taking over regions in the South and the North. And we know this to be true. Basically, once Trump was out of office, the Taliban were like, ah, la, 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 la. like, let's go get our land because we don't have this threat uh, coming to us anymore. We don't have to abide by the agreement. OK, so with that in mind, Mr. President, why would you not leave 25 hundred soldiers at the least there and and in the rest in the next five minutes of this interview this stephanophilopoulos person presses him and says uh about about the americans being left behind did you want to see it i'll play it but he presses him on uh, the americans being left behind and again uh, you know, this this illegitimate joke, all he can do is dance around this, the topic as, as best as he can in his, uh, you know, geriatric mode there. Is, he does the geriatric shuffle and, uh, you know, he, he can't answer the questions. But reasoning, like right there, you know that there are 2,500, you know that the, the Taliban have already taken over several regions of Afghanistan. Why would you not leave... 2,500 soldiers there. But this is the most disgusting part. Even though, even though the Taliban is already taking over and taking back, Af I should say taking back Afghanistan, um, um, am I supposed to uh, leave 2,500 soldiers there to protect the Americans who are trying to escape and also to make sure that we get all of our equipment out? Or do I send your son and daughter to war? in perpetuity never mind the fact that this freaking hypocrite voted to go into afghanistan to begin with president-elect biden you already chose to send the sons there you damn fool like he already sent them there and now he wants to use the what some kind of emotional like a card in order to play on the heartstrings of all of the people who are just like wallowing in the disbelief that they see that this man is just giving us on that he is pure disbelief because we don't believe him <laughs> there is we none of us have any confidence in this fool none of us have any con i mean i know we don't but i'm saying we don't have confidence in this idiot this man this idiot this fool like i cannot believe it i guess it was a fine time to bring the joke on screen <laughs> But uh, I'm telling you guys, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So I will spare you the remainder of the six minutes of this interview. But I think it highlights pretty well. Um, you, we get back down to it, guys. Uh, is the man truly incompetent? Is it an act? You know, it could be any of those things, quite honestly. Uh, but uh, one thing is for sure, if it is indeed incompetency, and incontinence, uh, he's going to get off easy for what he deserves. Okay. All right. Justice may it be served. That's all I got to say about that. 
thank you guys again for tuning in. We're almost done with the hearing, and we got one more topic du jour for tonight, and we will be done. I think we'll be done a little bit early tonight. I think we'll be done a little bit early. Sean Joe, thank you for gifting the cookies. Uh, appreciate you, sir. And uh, WC Cranop, gifting that can of, uh, it's got to be a can of Pepto-Bismol because... <laughs> Because the man always seems to lose his dinner every time. It repeats on him here at the Sea Report. I can't help that you're uh, two hours behind me, sir. <laughs> Cannot help it, but uh, I hope I hope your dinner was so good, it tasted good twice. Anyways, all right, guys, uh, let's let's move along. Uh, these are I told you we were going to recap this hearing, guys. I hope this has been at least somewhat mildly entertaining, if not informative. And uh, let's see what we got here. We got the uh, we got the three losers back on the screen. Don't forget, guys, uh, I'm fundraising this week for my trip to Las Vegas in October for the Patriot Roundup. Uh, actually, the Patriot Double Down happening in Las Vegas, uh, where we will have uh, several speakers and other Patriot events. And uh, we will be live and in person covering the event, hopefully garnering some interviews as well as bringing you some uh, special treats uh, du jour. Uh, donations by way of Gold Pill, Cash App, or PayPal are most definitely appreciated. Okay. And with that said, uh, what do we got next for you guys about this hearing? Okay. We went over the Biden stuff. I can't believe he said that. Send your sons to war. You voted for them to go to war, you fool. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're almost at the end of this. Uh, we got... Uh, uh, top Pentagon officials um, blamed the State Department for not uh, beginning evacuations of civilians sooner from Afghanistan. Now, uh, this is again, we, we, we play a game of hot potato here. Uh, no, accountability, no accountability given, no accountability accepted. And uh, now we see that uh, with this uh, withdrawal, military withdrawal from Afghanistan being completed on August 31st. And after successfully evacuating 124,000 individuals, uh, 6,000 of those being American, right? I mean, if you can evacuate 124,000 people, why can you not evacuate all the Americans and maybe 122,000 people? What gives, right? Because they want to leave 10% behind. Yeah, 90% is good with us, right? We're good with being an A-minus student here at the uh, <clears throat> Academy of the United States of America. Uh, now, despite this a large number of evacuate, evacuees uh, prior to the withdrawal, uh, to date, there are at least 100 American citizens left over there. That's what this article said. I tend to not believe that. And, of course, thousands of Afghan allies Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin, uh, he's the one said, well, it was the State Department's call. <laughs> okay, Darth Lloyd Austin. Um, he said, uh, we can provide an input, as I said in my opening statement to the State Department, um, but uh, the officials were being cautioned by the Ghani administration. Again, this is the uh, uh, left-leaning, uh, probably commie-sympathizing, globalist, uh, you know, uh, technocratic um, former employee of the IMF and the United Nations, President Ghani, was like, uh, but if you take out our American citizens and our SIV applicants, 
uh, um, um, our government will collapse. Oh, Ghani, it was collapsing anyways. Oh, Ghani, it was collapsing anyways. <laughs> anyways, okay, so uh, Lloyd Austin says, I just think that went into the calculus. You can't blame us. Uh, pretty much the same uh, same sing-song story, a tiny violin that uh, Millie uh, played when he was up to bat. Um, he also added, uh, Darth Lloyd did, that uh, the military officials provided their input to the State Department, but it was at their discretion about how they go about their duties. Um, and of course, uh, we had uh, Victoria Mark Milley describing the evacuation efforts in the days leading up to the August 31st troop withdrawal deadline as chaotic when asked about the best way to extract United States military from Afghanistan. Now, here's what Victoria said. He said, I just want to be clear. We're talking about two different missions here. The retrograde of troops that was completed by mid-July. To me, meaning that by mid-July, all of our armed forces were out of there, okay? He said, and that was done actually without any significant incident. Yeah, because they just up and left. We're not talking about the Americans and the allies and the equipment and the money and the forts that were left behind and the evacuation. And then he said, uh, and that's the handover of 11 bases, the bringing out of a lot of equipment that was done under the command of General Miller, passing the buck over to General Miller. Now, the handover of 11 bases, when the Afghan military had no idea that their United States allies were gone, how is that a handover, okay? And then, uh, and then bringing out of a lot of equipment, what did they take from their General Milley? Your collection of, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, play toys and, and, and cockering? I'm sorry, guys. Like, What did they take out of Afghanistan if they left $85 billion worth of state-of-the-art, brand-new American military equipment? <laughs> I mean, what? A Millie sex toys? I mean, what did they leave over there? What did they take out? Like, a lot of equipment went, including my, uh, including my, my, my play swing, <laughs> and all of my uh, pet dolls. Like, what is he talking about? I want a transcript. Give it to me. Okay. Um, General Mark Victoria Millie um, also um, had said uh, had said that uh, it was a logistical success, but a strategic. Failure, which again, I would ask a uh, uh, logistics by whose standards uh, that you got 90% out. So that's logistically good. But the strategy left everything in chaos and uh, with lives lost, which was a failure. It, are those the numbers that you're going by? I mean, is that your, you know, is that your, 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 your bar there, right? Uh, a success is a, 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 an A minus or a B plus, I guess. Not General Victoria Mark Milley, you flamer you. Now, um, Mackenzie, Mackenzie, the other one at the end of the table there, uh, he actually took responsibility for the drone strike that supposedly killed the ISIS-K member who was responsible for the explosion, the terrorist attack at the uh, Kabul International Airport, uh, the topic of which Lloyd Austin would not speak on. 
Like he was like, I will not talk about this uh, incident. So uh, Lloyd Austin was mum. He pled the fifth. But Mackenzie over there, who's probably, you know, uh, Lloyd Austin's butt boy, he uh, took one up the team. Uh, took one up the team. Took one for the team. <laughs> he took one for the team for Lloyd Darth Austin. Um, Mackenzie um, uh, took responsibility, which is, is something that, that's 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 a lot right there. And I'm not giving him props. I'm saying, uh, why is this guy not being court-martialed? Because it killed 10 Afghan civilians, and that included seven of those being children, okay? Children. Uh, oh, but yet the media ran away with uh, ISIS-K, and, and even Biden. Biden was like, we killed an ISIS-K member. Hallelujah. And um, um, again here, uh, because of this entire incident, uh, um, uh, Republicans, of course, they're accusing uh, the Biden junta of incompetence, which I think is uh, kind of letting them off easy. And uh, the Democrats, of course, they are blaming it on President Trump. And uh, the late August withdrawal was doomed before it began, they said, because it had to do with the 20 years that they were present. That's the reason why this entire operation failed. Anyhow, guys, I think um, Matt Gates probably summed up this entire situation the best. So I'll let him say it to you all because uh, it's pretty good. I'm sure you guys have probably seen this clip of Matt Gates reaming both uh, Lloyd Austin and Millie and Mackenzie. And uh, well, here we go, guys. It's pretty good. I know you've seen it. Let's go. That call, didn't you, General? I believe that that was a issue of strategic stalemate and that if we had remained in Afghanistan uh, with the advisory levels of effort, then the government of Afghanistan... Well, that's, that's an interesting Afghan answer to a question. Forces. It's just not one I asked. You spent more time with Bob Woodward on this book than you spent analyzing the very likely prospect that the Afghanistan government was going to fall immediately to the Taliban, didn't you? Not even close, Congressman. Oh, really? Because you said right after Kabul fell that no one could have anticipated the immediate fall of the Ghani government. When did you become aware that Joe Biden tried to get Ghani to lie about the conditions in Afghanistan? He did that in July. Did you know that right away? I'm not aware of what President Biden... You're not aware of the phone call that Biden had with Ghani where he said, whether it is true or not, we want you to go out there and paint a rosy picture of what's going on in Afghanistan. You're the chief military advisor to the president. You said that the Taliban was not going to defeat the government of Afghanistan militarily, which, by the way, they cut through him like a hot knife through butter. And then the president tries to get Ghani to lie. When did you become aware of that attempt? Well, there's two things there, Congressman, if, if I may. One is what I said was the situation was stalemate. And if we kept advisors with there, the government of Afghanistan and the army would have still been there. That's what I said. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But it seems wrong now. With well, the we withdrew all the, the we withdrew all the Austin. Secretary Austin, are you capable of assessing whether another has the will to fight? No, we're not. And uh, that's the point that the chairman made earlier. So. That's just like an incredibly disappointing thing for the Secretary of Defense to simply say, I can't assess whether someone has the will to fight, but it is consistent with your record. I mean, during the Obama administration, I think they gave you about $48 million to go train up some 
folks in Syria to go take on the Assad government. And I think your testimony was that only four or five survived first contact with the enemy. So what so do you have in you or should the country have in you when you've now confessed to us and whether it's the swing and a, and a miss in Afghanistan that General Milley talked to the Senate about yesterday, total failure, or whether it was your failures in Syria, you don't seem capable to look at a fighting force and determine whether or not they have the will. Well, is recall, that an embarrassing recall, Congressman, that uh, the end result was a, a, uh, uh, the SDF that we stood up that was very, very instrumental in turning the, the, the tide of, uh, of, of battle up in Syria. Oh, yeah. Tur turned it so much. You've got Assad in power in Syria. You've got the Taliban in power in Afghanistan. I mean, where have you been? The focus was, the focus was ISIS, Congressman, and, we, and, and those forces... Uh, had significant uh, effect on, on the well, ISIS it, network. It just seems like you're chronically bad at this. And you have admitted that, I guess, which is to your credit. But, you know, when, when people in the military, like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, stand up and demand accountability, when they say that you all screwed up, when they point out that General Milley's statement that the talent, you know, that, that the government of Afghanistan is not going to get defeated by the Taliban, well, he ends up in the brig. And you all end up in front of us and your former employer, Raytheon, ends up with a lot of money, and we have poured cash and blood and credibility into a Ghani government that was a mirage. It fell immediately. And while the guy sitting next to you was off, you know, talking to Phil Rucker and was off doing his thing with Bob Woodward, we were buying into the big lie, the big lie that this, that this was ever going to be successful and that we could ever rely on the Afghanistan government for anything at all. You know, General Mill, you kind of gave up the game earlier when you said you wanted to address elements of your personal conduct that were in question. We're not questioning your personal conduct. We're questioning in your official capacity going and undermining the chain of command, which is obviously what you did. You, you've created <laughs> That's a right, not undermine the chain narrative. of command and yeah, you, did. you absolutely Sorry. did. And it did not. Well, you know what? You said yesterday that you weren't going to resign when senators asked you this question. And I believe that you guys probably won't resign. You seem to be very happy failing up over there. But if we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired because that is what you deserve. You have let down the people who wear the uniform in my district and all around this country. And you're far more interested in what you're perception is and how people think about you in insider Washington books than you care about winning, Gentleman's which this time group has is incapable expired. of doing. Very good, Mr. Gates. I'm glad your case uh, went north. Uh, yeah, a guy. <laughs> Did he not take them to task? You see that? Chronically bad at this. He reamed. Man, Lloyd Austin was like, if I could get my hands on your ass, like, I bet you he. <laughs> that was pretty bad, guys. That was pretty bad. Oh, my God. Um, but good. It was good. It was good. Uh, things that need to be said, things that need to be recognized. And uh, no one else was going to talk to them the way that uh, Gates did there during that hearing. Big booms all around, guys, uh, as far as uh, laying it down on them. Laying it down on them, um, you know, but uh, I don't know, guys, uh, between uh, uh, between 
watching the news and the coverage of what was going on in Afghanistan and all of the little geopolitical, uh, you know, uh, uh, musings about that area. Uh, and then also considering everything that we have uh, seen through this hearing, again, the Senate, uh, Senate Committee on Armed Forces over the withdrawal from Afghanistan, um, I, I don't know, maybe it kind of coalesces into a finer point, that being that uh, when you think about it, guys, uh, because no one's taking the blame here. Uh, they're passing the buck to Biden. Biden's passing the buck to them. They're passing the buck to the uh, State Department. Uh, and no one will get fired. No one will resign. No one will get court-martialed. None of that, right? No one will get impeached, right? It does not seem... Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Because uh, would they say Kamala's coming up now? So uh, maybe this uh, this is something. This is something that I shared was the purpose of Afghanistan as one of the uh, one of the tiers of what they did in Afghanistan was the exit way for Biden to go out and for them to bring in Kamala. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but uh, at this point. That is not yet ruled out, okay? But but in general, in general, about this whole debacle, if you think about it, um, the globalists, all of the globalist uh, slave nations, if you want to call them that, because that's what they are, right? Even though they don't realize that they're slave nations, or at least the heads of those nations don't realize that they are slave nations, United Kingdom, uh, all the crown colonies, uh, greater Europe, you know, all of that. Um, they don't realize it, but they are. We know that they are. Um, you know, uh, what have they done to America? What have they done to America? What is it that President Trump corrected in his four years in office, optically speaking? They... They didn't, they didn't just take advantage of our country. They did not just take advantage of American taxpayers. They did not just take advantage of America. These people were raping America for decades, right? We're paying for their defense. We're giving them our military for their defense. We're giving them non-military aid. We're supplying them with food and clothes and waters and a security guard. Okay, and they gave us nothing this entire time in return, okay? And then not only that, when it came down to uh, crap, fake crap like the climate issues, you know, we were, we were to be held at the highest regard, while other, uh, they're not even developing. Like, I mean, they're not as developed as America, but they were not expected to pay as much as we were going to pay to breathe, you know? And that's just, that's just some of it as you all are well aware of, you know, they were raping our country for decades. So in my opinion, this went down the way it needed to go, because in my opinion, Biden's boss is also Millie's boss, is also Lloyd Austin's boss. So all these guys, and I'm sure Mackenzie also, so all these guys need to do is figure out a way to pass the blame just get the job done for the boss, okay? And in the end, when President Trump gave the power back to the people 
and he allowed us to govern ourselves again. And we started to regain and recapture the wealth and prosperity that had been stripped of us for decades. Afghanistan is a good example of how they took all of that away from us again. They took all of it away from us again. Billions of dollars worth. They're like, you want to take your manufacturing back, America? You want to, you want to, you want to place tariffs on us? You want to take back, you want to, you want to get out of the WHO? You want to defund the UN? You want to force all of the other uh, slave nations to the globalists to pay their dues and you're not going to pay them for them? We're going to take all of this from you in Afghanistan and Joe Biden is going to give it to us wrapped in a bow and that bow is probably going to be what? Um baby blue or what is the color guys i don't know i'm out of, i'm out of my mind on this already so um in closing ladies and gentlemen on this hearing a few things that we can take away if if not answers to what actually happened and who should be held accountable because lord knows that they're not going to figure it out in a timely manner the war on terror is not over yet guys and nor is the war on afghanistan both Millie and Mackenzie acknowledge that while there are no more troops on the ground in Afghanistan, neither the war on terror nor the war in Afghanistan are over. Senator Tom Tillis, who is a Republican from North Carolina, he asked them if either military effort was finished, and both of these generals said no. The globalists are still going to get their wars out of this. In fact, Mackenzie said, the war on terror is not over and the war in Afghanistan is not over either, quote, unquote. Military leaders advocated to keep troops in Afghanistan. Now, that's the clincher that will uh, perhaps see joe biden's grand exit and and it's probably going to be 25th amendment by now okay i mean impeachment 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 we keep hearing it we keep seeing good-hearted or good-willed republicans bringing it up but at this point with three generals testifying against biden and biden saying he can't recall and all of the other crap that biden's doing no one's paying attention to at this point, I mean, we are, but we're not, you know, they're not paying attention to it. Uh, it's probably going to be 25th Amendment, right? But uh, again, that is the linchpin right there. 2,500 testified against Biden to remain. Um, it'll be harder for uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda to be kept in check. That's something else that we will see coming from this as we're seeing between the wars, uh, the skirmishes and fights between the Taliban and uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, ISIS-K, ISIS, they're fighting over there. Uh, but again, we it, it, it still is of yet is to remain what is going to happen over there. We don't know what the Taliban's going to do. And of course, we may never know because of what the media tells us. Okay. Um, the Dohan Agreement or the Doha Agreement lowered morale of Afghan forces, which I think is a moot point, okay? These uh, generals argued 
that the whole reason why the uh, Afghan army lost their will to fight is because their morale was so stricken by the agreements that President Trump made with the Taliban in Doha that uh, they just lost the will to fight because the Taliban were going to get it anyways. That's bull, okay? They lost their will to fight because they stopped paying them to fight, okay? The army in Afghanistan was also an installed power for the globalists and the elitists. And that's all there is to it. So I think that point is bull. And uh, But one thing that is most definitely a takeaway is that uh, the credibility of our country, these United States of America, is damaged. And it may be damaged beyond repair. But that's what uh, the elitists want. And uh, that's where we are right now. You see what happens when you let an illegitimate president take over? <laughs> Not our faults, right, guys? It will be our faults if we don't get this crap figured out, though. Because at this point, it's all in our hands, guys. At this point, it is all in our hands. All right, uh, let's see. Last topic for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting into the NDAA 2021. Thank you for the uh, cookie, Sean Joe. And uh, yes, Aurelius Locke, making women file with the Selective Service, as I stated at the beginning of the show, is part of tonight's report. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll go through this, guys. Um, there's uh, some pretty interesting points here <laughs> in regards to the NDAA. That's the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, it was uh, passed by the House on the 23rd of September, which was last uh, Thursday. <laughs> hey, Sean Joe, what is uh, what is a uh, Prime Minister Morrison? Uh, was it? Wait, I thought it was Scott Morrison. What? Who did you? Oh, you said it was the president, right? In the chat. Sorry, guys. I'm reading the chat. What did he? What did? Where did he go? Where did you go? Where did you go? Where did it go? <laughs> Tiffany Blue. Thank you, Aurelius Lock. Those things just don't come to my mind quite as quick as I would like them to. Oh, President Morrison. Oh, no, it's Scott Morrison. Yeah, is it president or prime minister? I don't know. I thought it was a prime minister. What is he saying? Should we tune in? Uh, <laughs> it might be important. He might be uh, calling for the. Uh, I don't know the mass incarceration of all uh, Australians that choose not to get a vaccination. That's the kind of thing that can't wait till an international news day, you know? <laughs> okay. Tell you what, we're going to talk about the NDAA, NDAA, cause that's what's on the uh, show header. Um, okay. All right. Let's uh, let me focus again, at least. Okay. Back to the NDAA. Um, where are we at? National Defense Authorization, Authorization Act of 2016, passed on Thursday the 23rd by the House, uh, voted to approve uh, the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022 uh, with wide bipartisan support, which might uh, surprise some of you guys when you figure out what's in this bill. Um, uh, the bill, uh, is, the bill basically, for those of you who don't know out there, it sets the guidelines for defense policy. And it also authorizes spending in line with the Pentagon's priorities, although it does not appropriate the spending itself. 
you know, so it says you get this much money, but we're not going to tell you where to spend it. Uh, the bill, which sets defense spending at $740 billion, this go round, is $24 billion over what was requested by the uh, Heiden Leiden Biden administration, junta. Um, and uh, now it is to head to the Senate. Okay, now, first thing we're going to do, guys, is talk about some of the um, some of the uh, provisions of the 2022 of saying 2021 of the 2022 uh, NDAA. Let's talk about some of the provisions. So we can uh, we can get an idea of what we're spending our money on. And then we'll talk about some of the crap that needs to come out of it. Now, among the provisions, the first things that we are going to talk about are the provisions that House Minority Leader, weak-ass Kevin McCarthy, is proud of, okay? So he's proud of this, guys. And yet somehow he was able to make concessions for the crap in this bill. We're going to talk about that, okay? So um, let's see here. He he was uh, he was most proud of the fact that the NDAA authorized 2.7% pay increase for service members, uh, and also that it prohibited a dishonorable discharge for service members who declined a COVID vaccine. I actually like that point. Um, prior, uh, he's also happy that it prioritized water resiliency and water storage, as well as holding the administration accountable for the horrific uh, withdrawal in Afghanistan and also sanctioned the Nord Stream 2 to keep Russia accountable. Now, uh, it secured provisions to require the Secretary of Defense to submit a report on water resources at military installations in the West. This provision would help the military departments make wise decisions to ensure efficient management and storage of water and to model future requirements. Um, there was also a provision to waive the waiting period for certain military retirees to be employed at the at any major uh, range and test facility bases, uh, which would include Edwards Air Force Base and the Naval Air Weapons Station at China Lake. And um, also to retain a critical knowledge of defense missions and capabilities, which is why they would not be required to be put on a waiting list. Um, in regards to Edwards Air Force Base, uh, it secured authorization for an additional $4 million for a total of $44 million when combined with fiscal year 2021 defense legislation for the Flight Test Engineering Lab Complex. The additional funds would enhance flight test capabilities and technology advancement to strengthen and modernize our military. Um, it secured amendment uh, secured an amendment to include provisions to require the Secretary of the Air Force to submit assessments identifying opportunities for the AFRI um, rocket lab to achieve the most cutting edge of technology to Congress for fiscal year 2023 and 2025. It also secured the provision as reoccurring a biannual requirement 
to require the Secretary of the Air Force to submit assessments identifying opportunities for the Air Force Test Center to test advanced technology to enhance our nation's defense capabilities. Uh, let's see here. In regard to the Naval Air Weapons Station, China Lake, it secured authorization for the $9.12 million for the Solar Energy Storage System project, which would install an energy storage system to secure solar energy and assist in effectively managing energy for critical and community support facilities during extreme temperature conditions. It also secured provisions to require the Secretary of the Navy to submit assessments identifying opportunities for the NAWS China Lake and the Naval Air Warfare Center's Weapons Division to provide state-of-the-art technology to the war fighter. Secured provisions also included a continued overseeing of the previously secured $3.3 billion for the 2019 earthquake rebuilding efforts at the installation. So uh, quite a few things there. Uh, we also see that this bill would create a 12-member bipartisan commission to look into what happened in Afghanistan and whether there were intelligence missteps that led to America's rapid evacuation of the country and it would also require annual reports on the administration's handling of long-distance counter-terrorism uh, efforts now that there are no longer forces on the ground there. Uh, the NDAA 2022 would also uh, fund 13 new ships for the Navy, including three new Arleigh Burke class destroyers, and includes money for eight, five, four, Oh, sorry, for 85 F-35 fighters, funding for the ground-based uh, strategic deterrent, the next generation ICBM, was protected against, pardon me, uh, was protected against an effort from progressives to defund the program and keep the min, uh, Minutemen uh, three ICBMs working until 2040. 188 members voted in favor of the plan, which was not enough to slow GBSD program. Uh, the House language also includes a 2.7% pay raise for members of the military and sweeping changes to the sexual assault justice system. It also would require women to register for the draft for the first time, something expected to uh, be backed fully in the Senate. Did you hear that, guys? It is expected to be backed fully in the Senate, right? Get on them phone calls, right? It also puts uh, in language that would require any defense secretary nominee who previously served to have been retired for a full 10 years rather than the current requirement of seven years. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is because in back-to-back uh, -back administrations, President Trump's and Biden's uh, junta, uh, we saw them um, submit and clear waivers for Mad Dog, I Run Around with the President of Greece, Mattis, and Darth Lloyd Austin, See Me Make Money for my former country, company, Raytheon. I'm part of the military industrial complex. Um, so that's the reason for that. Now let's talk about the issues of gun control, because that one is most definitely top of the mind for a lot of us out there who are aware of it. 
2022 National Defense Authorization Act contains a provision allowing military courts to issue orders restraining military personnel from possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm. The 2022 NDAA, otherwise known as House Resolution 4350, contains the provision for prohibiting gun possession in Section 529, which is titled Authority of Military Judges and Military Magistrates to Issue Military Court Protective Orders. The provision appears under the subtitle Restrictions on Access to Firearms, Contained in the directives for uh, protective orders, it gives military courts the authority to prohibit gun possession via protective orders in two ways. One, by giving the subject of the order an opportunity to be heard on the order, and two, by issuing the order ex parte. Within 72 hours of issuance, in other words, the order is to be delivered to the Attorney General, of the United States and the Attorney General of the state or territory in which the order has issued. Now, I see uh, I see right there, Just V's got her rhinos out. It's rhino hunting season, ladies and gentlemen. It is rhino hunting season. For a further breakdown on this gun grab ordinance, it's a red flag within the military. And guys, if we're gonna have them go for our guns and put red flag laws on our guns, do we really want them to start with the armed forces? Like seriously, if it was between my gun and a military man's gun, I would say take my gun as long as you're in my house and you're protecting me, right? But uh, let's check this out real quick. Uh, two short videos uh, from gun, uh, uh, was it gun Owners of America uh, breaking down uh, what is happening in this NDAA of the year 2022. Let's check it out. Hey guys, Phil from the Minuteman Moment, and today we're going to talk about how the House of Representatives just passed red flag gun confiscation orders. As part of the National Defense Authorization Act, or H.R. 4530, the anti-gunners are trying to sneak more restrictions for military members. This new bill would actually allow military courts to issue gun confiscation orders against service members. And GOA was the only group to raise the alarm last year when similar language appeared in the last NDAA. In conference, GOA insisted on the elimination of gun confiscation orders. And in the end, Congress did. It was a big win for gun owners. I mean, that's why you send GOA to Washington. But now that gun control is back, Gun Owners of America notified congressional leadership of our opposition to the gun control in H.R. 4350 early on Tuesday, September 21st. Then GOA kicked our efforts into high gear with a national alert to our grassroots activists. Representatives Bobert, Roy, Cloud, Good, and Bishop also jumped into action and helped GOA rally the members of Congress against this bill. But that didn't stop 135 Republicans from voting for the bill on Thursday evening. The bill passed 316 to 113. But what was actually in the bill? Well, buried on page 290, of 1,362 pages is section 529 of HR 4350, entitled Authority of Military Judges and Military Magistrates to Issue Military Court Protective Orders. There's section 1567B, which creates a mechanism for military judges and magistrates 
to order the seizure of firearms for anyone subject to the United States Code of Military Justice without due process. The gun confiscation in 1567BJ1A, it's quite a mouthful, would unacceptably enable a military court protective order issued on an ex parte basis to restrain a person from possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm. That means that the individual's firearms will be confiscated and that they will be input into the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, or NICS, where they will become prohibited from purchasing a firearm commercially. And an ex parte order just means that the accused isn't in the court when this is all happening. It's in secret. This, as we know, does nothing to stop criminals or dangerous individuals from committing crimes. Simply taking firearms from truly dangerous individuals leaves them at large to wreak havoc on society. It's foolish to focus on disarmament, leaving violent criminals to roam the streets freely. And laughably, the Military Court Protective Order's protection of due process in 1567 BH1 do not apply to all gun confiscation orders. In fact, 1567 BH2 explicitly exempts ex parte gun confiscation from due process. But you can't take the guns first, get the so-called due process later, and pretend it's sufficient to protect the accused. No amount of fake due process can be added to fix this legislation. These gun confiscation orders violate the second, fourth, fifth, and 14th amendment rights of Americans subject to the UCMJ. This section must be removed in its entirety and should never become part of the United States Code. Remember, this language was present in the last Defense Authorization Act that passed the House of Representatives, and it was taken out thanks to the good work of GOA and our grassroots. Anti-gunners are relentless in their push to violate the Second Amendment, but we forced them to back off in the past, and we can do it again. Now the bill is headed to the Senate. There, they can come up with their own version or amend this bill and send it back to the House for another vote. Either way, the fight's only just begun. That's why it's really important that you take action with the link in the description and tell your senators to oppose red flag gun confiscation in the Senate bill. That's it for this week. Be sure to check out So I actually think this is going to be one of the favorite videos that we've done. All right, let's do this. Giddy up. Hey guys, Phil with the Minuteman Moment, and today we're turning our video on the House passed version of red flag gun confiscation orders in the National Defense Authorization Act into a two-part series. Since we filmed part one, Gun Owners of America has been putting pressure on Congress by educating you, the public, the voter the American citizen about what happened. To recap, 135 Republicans of the House of Representatives voted for the NDAA. Within the NDAA was a provision for red flag gun confiscation. And here's the proof. In this monster of a bill, it says a military court protective order issued on an ex parte basis shall restrain a person from possessing receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm. Now, these gun confiscation orders would only apply to members of the military, people subject to the United States Code of Military Justice. And because of the work of GOA and its grassroots, the congressmen who voted for the NDAA with red flag gun confiscation have been all over social media and probably street corners all over the country explaining their vote for a bill that contained gun confiscation. Now that GOA's made this a public issue, these members will say, hey, 
This vote doesn't matter. Gun confiscation that's in NDAA will be taken out in conference. I only briefly mentioned what conference is in our part one video, but I need to go into that a bit more now. A conference is required when the House and Senate each pass different versions of the same bill. In this case, the House and soon the Senate will have passed two different versions of the NDAA. When that happens, members of both parties in the House and Senate will meet to work out those differences and come up with one bill they can agree on. They'll then take that agreement and each chamber, House and Senate, will then vote on the same bill again. If it passes, that goes to the White House for the president's signature. So according to some members of Congress who voted for this, it's okay that gun confiscation passed the House because when the House and Senate meet to work out those differences, the offending language will be removed. But now that everything is public, they're defending their vote for red flag gun confiscation by saying, hey guy, Senate guy. you don't need to worry about this terrible vote. I was part of a swampy, smoke-filled backroom deal, and I was given assurances about how all this plays out. How do you feel about that? It looks to us like they're putting your rights up like gambling chips. I know you know this happens, but this is a nuts and bolts explanation of how it all goes down. And here's two more things to think about. By putting gun confiscation in the NDAA, they all needlessly politicized national defense. Second, the more a bill like gun confiscation passes one chamber of Congress, the more pressure it puts on the other chamber to pass it. I mean, I can see a scenario in this Congress or a future Congress where someone says something like, my friends, red flag gun confiscation, well, they won't call it. That'll probably be something like the mom and apple pie bill. My friends, the mom and apple pie bill has already passed the house twice. The people's chamber has spoken. It's time for the Senate to act and send this bill to the president's desk. You see, it can create momentum for a bill. That's a perfectly fine strategy for building pressure to pass legislation. There's lots of pro-gun bills that I'd like to see passed using the same strategy. And I'm sure the anti-gunners want to use it to pass gun confiscation. But I don't want members of Congress who are telling us they're pro-2A engaging in a process that can only help the anti-gunners get a win down the road. One more thing before I bounce. One of the objections to GOA calling out this terrible process is that people who oppose it have no strategy. Accusing the good guys of not having a strategy is like day one of class in DC Swamp University. It's just transparent and meaningless. And what was the strategy when all those years ago, Congress passed the NFA? How about the strategy for passing the 68 Gun Control Act or the Hughes Amendment to FOPA or even NICS? I'm sure that our betters thought they had a great strategy for all those terrible pieces of gun control, or maybe they're not so strategic after all. And while I'm talking about the Hughes Amendment and the Firearm Owners Protection Act, we can use a bit of history to help us understand why it's terrible to ever let these bills pass, even if it's just one chamber and there's a deal to eventually remove it. In the past, gun owners have lost big when Republicans roll the dice with must-pass spending bills. That's how we got the Lautenberg misdemeanor gun ban, the Gun-Free School Zones Act, and the infamous fix Nicks bill. Ultimately, politics is pretty unpredictable at times. No strategy should ever gamble with our fundamental rights. Anyway, that's it for today. You can check out all of our Minuteman Moment videos on YouTube and the Warrior Poet Society Network. See you next time. Ooh, Warrior Poet Society. Sounds fun. Uh, okay, guys. I mean, yeah, yeah. You heard what the man said, and I've been reading the chats, and I agree with all of it, and it's total bull. Total bull. 
that we would have Republicans against gun confiscation or any type of uh, Second Amendment uh, violations uh, even 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 play with the idea that uh, it's okay. It, it's okay because they'll, they'll take it out in the Senate. I've, I've actually heard that from a lot of people um, who said that they've uh, contacted their uh, representative and their representative said, no, they'll, they'll take it out in the Senate. This is a total cop-out, guys. Let's talk about a cop-out. Let's talk about how they're slipping this red flag law provision into the NDAA. Um, <laughs> sorry. This guy right here. This is a perfect example, guys. This is the perfect example. I got two. This guy, his name is uh, Congressman Greg Murphy. Okay. Now, he released a statement on September 23rd, the same day that the House passed this law that condemned the inclusion of these red flag gun confiscation provisions. And he said, he's from North Carolina, he said, I am outraged that House Democrats are once again trying to conceal unconstitutional red flag laws in the NDAA that could be used to unjustly derive American service members of their Second Amendment rights. Our National Defense Bill is a key component of ensuring that our armed forces and their families have the resources they need. And it is reprehensible that Democrats are trying to use the NDAA to subvert our veterans' right to possess a firearm. Fortunately, both Republican and Democrat leadership have publicly assured... Oh, wait, did I mention, guys... This is also his statement. He says, fortunately, both Republican and Democrat leadership have publicly assured Congress that this egregious language will be removed from the final version of the NDAA. While I support the overall defense legislation as a vital pillar of Eastern North Carolina's defense footprint and look forward to its passage, I will work tirelessly within conference to ensure the law-abiding veterans' Second Amendment rights are protected from unlawful federal overreach. This full signed to approve or voted to approve the passage in the House. That's one of the 135 right there who comes out all vigor and vim, all fire and hell and brimstone. Just to say, but fortunately, let me put my show up first, but, but fortunately, uh, the House leaders have assured it's going to be removed. Well, if they've assured it's going to be removed, the House leaders, why even include it in there to begin with? Why even play with it, guys? Yes, he voted yes, Aurelius Locke. He voted yes, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's insane, okay? Now, we do have... And uh, actually, 
my story's a little jostled here. Let me uh, jump ahead over here. Boop. Boop. Right? Ah, it's Joe Biden. Okay, sorry, guys. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, pictured here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, two representatives again. Uh, we have uh, Richard Hudson of North Carolina and we have Stephanie Bice of Oklahoma. Uh, now they, uh, along with, uh, I need to move one more. They, along with 161 other representatives, um, are fighting to remove this statute from the NBAA. Let me grab the statute real quick. It's right here. Okay. So I can share it with you. Okay, cool. All right. And we're almost done, guys. We got about, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes left and we'll call it a wrap. Um, but uh, so again, uh, we have uh, Richard Hudson and Stephanie Bice. They have also uh, joined forces with 161 other representatives to remove this uh, language, even though they have already uh, passed it in the House which, uh, I, you know, that's uh, why are they doing things retroactively? I bet you it's because of the efforts of the GOA. And then you have all these uh, constituents, all these Americans calling them and uh, telling them what the hell. And so now, you know, there's a concerted effort to try and remove this uh, a little too late. I don't know, too little too late. I don't know how you would put it, uh, but let's see what uh, what that says in that regard. We have 163 total, including these two people right here. Um, and uh, on September 29th, they submitted a letter to the House and Senate Armed Services Committee urging the removal of the red flag provisions from the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act on September 23rd. Of course, this was passed with that provision in it. Uh, and let's see what it says. Okay, here's the letter. And let us expand and expand and expand. All right. And it says, uh, uh, as you begin the conference committee process to reconcile the House and Senate versions of the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022, we write to strongly urge you to strike section 529 of the House's version H.R. 4350. We are greatly concerned that if enacted, uh, Section 529 would violate the Second Amendment rights of our nation's brave service members by allowing military judges and magistrates to issue military court gun confiscation orders. Um, even more concerning, uh, under this provision, such an order could be issued by a military court on an ex parte basis meaning the order could be issued without the service member even being present in court to defend himself. We believe this is a serious breach of due process that demands your full attention. Every single day, brave American service members serve in harm's way to defend our nation, our way of life, and the very constitutional rights that Section 529 would erode. This dangerous provision must be excluded from the final package and, again, we ask for your support to strike Section 529 of H.R. 4350. Sounds so nice and purdy, don't it? Um, so yeah, so that so they're they're working to do that now. Um, so I don't I don't understand why these people can't have integrity, why they feel they have to uh, give a little to get a little. It's bull, okay? It's bull, especially on an issue like this that they fight fight so hard for us. Now, here's the kicker. 
here's the kicker. This uh, Stephanie vice person of Oklahoma, Republican, voted yay to passing it in the House. And then she turns around and writes a letter to try and get those provisions removed. Well, Gurr, you've given yourself double work here. She wouldn't have had to have done that if she just voted no to begin with. What provisions are they giving her in her home state? What, what federal money is she seeking in order to sell out her own constituents and the veterans who fought to protect her ass while she slept at home and dreamt about how much money she was going to make working in the legislature for the state of Oklahoma? That's what I want to know. Okay, that's what I want to know. That's what we need to find out. Oklahoma, I know you are. I don't know if Oklahoma is still in the house. It is late and other, uh, other programs are on right now on Foxhole. So Oklahoma might not be here anymore. I haven't seen her in a minute. <laughs> I won't name names. Uh, I haven't seen her in a minute, uh, but it's all good. Um, so, uh, and uh, I was looking to see if this, uh, this bloke here did also. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the two authors of this bill with their 161 supporters actually signed to pass this in the house like it would not surprise me we know that uh ha! he did he did both of them both of these hypocrites stephanie bice and richard hudson north carolina oklahoma respectively voted to pass this bill and then turned around and sent a wah wah letter of regret trying to get these provisions out did they not know it was there to begin with? That's what I want to know. It's ridiculous. Okay, guys. Last part of this bill that we're going to talk about. Oh, goodness. Okay. Let me get so, this ready. I so I just have to ask, ask you, after Democrats... Shush! Not yet, Gur. You're coming up. Okay. So uh, last part of this bill to bring to y'all's attention is the uh, potential. Actually, it's not the potential. With this bill... Um, um, women will be drafted into the army. Okay. Um, now, uh, this, this topic per in particular, sorry, there's so, going to be a little I bit so, of a shush. This topic in particular, um, it is garnered very little attention, although it has in some cases, uh, because, um, of all of the, whatever, it doesn't matter. People aren't paying attention to it, but, um, the house of representatives voted in this bill also to expand mandatory selective services draft registration to include women. Uh, the system currently applies only to men 18 to 25. Of course, we know this. And the National Defense Authorization Act 2022 passed the House, and uh, now it seems that this will apply um, towards women of the same age range in accordance with the current system of things. Now... The move is likely, at least in part, a reaction to recent indications that the Supreme Court is likely to strike down the present system on the ground that it engages in unconstitutional sex discrimination. Can you believe that? In June, the Supreme Court refused to hear a case challenging the male-only system, but three justices, including conservative Brett Kavanaugh, filed an opinion arguing that the system is unconstitutional and suggested that the court should invalidate it in the near future if Congress does act. Okay, so some people are speaking out about this. Uh, one of them happens to be Texas representative of District 21, 
Chip Roy. Uh, now, Chip Roy's district is expansive. It's, uh, it includes uh, Fredericksburg, Bernie, small parts of San Antonio, San Marcos, New Braunfels, small parts of Austin. His, 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 his uh, piece of the pie is, is, is kind of big. So um, we're going to play this clip, or some of it, with Chip Roy, and then uh, we'll wrap this story up, and we'll have some final thoughts, and I'll send you all on your way. Thank you again for being in attendance tonight. Here we go, folks. Bah! Humbug. To ask you, after Democrats let the Taliban takeover happen in Kabul, they now want to use this NDAA to push on critical race theory on our troops and, of course, drafting our daughters. How is this a priority right now? Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. And in fact, the NDA has other problems like a red flag law that would harm our military men and women's ability to get access to firearms, uh, you know, spends more money. And we're, we're doing nothing to hold uh, General Milley or Secretary Austin accountable for the absolute train wreck that occurred in Afghanistan. And now they want to draft their daughters. And unfortunately, too many of my Republican colleagues are all too uh, OK with going along with that. They say things like, well, no, we would we wouldn't support that. But we have to support the NDAA and we're in the minority and it's just too bad. You know, we, you know, unfortunately, the Democrats are going to do that. I just disagree. Republicans ought to be voting against the NDAA in black, in block, all of us. And we should be opposing it strongly and going to the American people and explaining why. We should not have a situation in this country where we're asking our daughters, our women, to have to sign up for selective service to be drafted. We have the a volunteer military. Uh, we have an enormously strong military. Obviously, women can serve in the military, but the purpose of a draft is to deal with a combat situation, right? It's World War II. Uh, we saw it in, in Vietnam as well, but it's, it's when you need combat uh, service. And I'm going to just tell you, I have a 10-year-old daughter. I don't want my 10-year-old daughter to be drafted into service under the belief that somehow that the same government that incompetently got out of Afghanistan left $85 billion of equipment for the Taliban to use left many good men and women behind, both American citizens and SIVs, now have a wide open border that they refuse to uh, actually enforce, now are in, you know, engaged in mandating vaccines and cutting off the supply of medicine to Texans. You want to empower that government, that government, to say whether or not your daughter has to go sit in a foxhole in Afghanistan. Hell no, I'm against it. And I'm glad that you are, because I remember, I think it was maybe the 60s or 70s, perhaps, Phyllis Schlafly. She was someone who was really sounding the alarm, and that was with the Equal Rights Amendment, I believe. And she was saying how it would lead the path to what we're seeing right now. And, of course, at the time, all the, you know, the militant feminists were like, no, no, and poo-pooing her. Like, she was just out in left field, and she was the crazy one. And here, she's been proved right all these decades later, as we're discussing here tonight. So when we talk about it, we hear for a lot of conservatives, we always get uh, we always hear the criticisms that we focus too much on the culture. and We shouldn't be focusing on the culture. It's a losing issue for us. But look how this the culture and the left wing culture that we're living in has come to dominate politics now. I mean, you're you're with you're working with colleagues now who won't even look you in the eye and say that women are women and men are men and that men can't become women and women can't become men. They'll look at you and say, actually, I don't know if there really is any difference. You know, gender is free and se biological sex doesn't mean anything anymore. So do you think that it's do you find it harder perhaps to work with some of your colleagues especially across the aisle when you know even these basic truths are no longer acknowledged yeah there's no question that we have some fundamental differences when you can't just acknowledge those basic truths and that's certainly true across the aisle and, and we've of course got a uh, department of defense that is increasingly woke 
with chief diversity officers, the critical race theory trainings. We are seeing these kinds of, uh, you know, propaganda being put out by even our academies. Uh, it's so uh, disheartening and concerning. But I'll also say on, on my own side of the aisle, I mean, with all due respect to my colleagues who I'm around right now, and, and they're my friends. But at the end of the day, uh, if you vote for this National Defense Authorization Act, I want to be clear to everybody watching this. A vote for this bill is a vote to draft your daughter, draft your sister, draft your wife. Can you imagine if you're a man and you're sitting at home and you get a draft card or you know, draft number for your wife, but not you or your daughter and not you? What kind of a country are we? What happened to the men in this country that we're going to allow this to be the society that we have? And if we lose our... Okay, enough, Chip Roy. Uh, interesting enough, uh, there in the chat, um, Chip Roy, according to my list, did not vote to authorize the NDAA. I have a whole list, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. So I was going to check it twice with you guys tonight, but in uh, in interest of time, because we're already at the end of the show, uh, we're not going to go through that list, but Chip Roy is not on the list. Uh, Chip Roy is not on the list, um, but but this just goes to show, guys. Okay, because again, we have uh, we have uh, these two these two idiots, right? These two rhino. I mean, I'm gonna say it, guys, because just like the uh, just like when it comes to election audits and when it comes to election fraud. That is our canary in the coal mine as patriots to gauge who is an enemy and who is not. And basically, anyone who's not talking about audits, who's not talking about Maricopa, who's not supporting them, who is not supporting uh, in election integrity, they're done. Like, we don't need to waste our time with them. We don't need to hear their excuses. We don't need to play their games. And when it comes to things like this, I would say the same thing could be said. It's not it's not a, a, a mass type of, of demarcation, even though that is what it is. We are at a line of demarcation where we know, based on certain bellwethers, where we should stand with our elected representatives in respect to the things that they say and the things that they do. Because quite often, as we know, they are totally different. So... Chip Roy, though, because like I said, we have this Bison Hudson guy who are fighting now, uh, and I'm sure it's a saving face thing more, or maybe they were getting some kind of goodness out of this act that uh, they made this concession. They gambled, as the representative from the GOA said, our rights away in the hopes that the leaders or the Senate would kill it or strike it from the bill, right? A gamble, a big time gamble, okay? I don't appreciate that, okay? Now, now we have a list, and like I said, I was going to go through all of it, uh, but uh, we don't have time. But I know we got Texas in the house, we got California in the house, we got Arkansas in the house, we've got uh, we've got Oregon in the house. I mean, if you really want to know, there's some pretty interesting people on this list. You know, pretty interesting people. You know, uh, Cliff Bentz, Oregon, Kevin Brady, Texas, uh, Stephanie Bice, Oklahoma, Troy Balderson, Ohio, uh, Kevin Calvert, California, Jake Elzey of Texas. Do you guys know who Jake Elzey is? 
Okay, do you guys remember President Trump endorsing Susan Wright for her uh, runoff in uh, the state of Texas for like District 30 something or I don't know what it was. It was a district up towards Dallas. He nominated, he endorsed her because her husband passed of COVID. And then uh, through some dirty schemes, Elsie gets in and this fool, he votes to pass this. Okay, anyways, Pat Fallon of Texas, Tony Gonzalez, Texas, Anthony Gonzalez, obvious Ohio, uh, Scott Fitzgerald. I thought he was dead. F Scott. Anyways, just kidding. Wisconsin, Kay Granger, old time Rhino here in Texas. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Eric A. Rick Crawford, Arkansas. Dan Crenshaw. Of course, Dan Crenshaw has been trying to get red flag laws passed since his ass got into office. Matt Gates of Florida also signed to authorize the NDAA. I know it might be a little bit heartbreaking after that uh, smackdown we just saw him give to uh, Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin. Uh, let me see who else. Uh, French Hill of Arkansas, Young Kim of California, Daryl Issa, California, Ronnie Jackson, Texas, Kevin McCarthy, California, Michael T. McCall, Texas, uh, let me see here. What else we got? Here's here's another interesting one. Elise M. Stefanik, New York Chair of House Republican Conference Committee, voted to pass it. Michael Steele of California. Uh, let me see here. Um, uh, Devin Nunes authorized this in California. Jay Ombernote of California. August Fluger. Uh, Beth Van Dyne, Texas, Texas. Uh, Bruce Westerman of Arkansas. Uh, yeah. We've got our work uh, cut out for us. Uh, but but here's my point about Chip Roy when we're talking about both gun confiscation and he's he's clearly fighting for the rights of women and for uh, fighting against red flag gun laws. But you have to be careful because Chip Roy will fight for your Second Amendment rights. He will fight against abortion. He will fight against women going into the military, ladies and gentlemen. But what Chip Roy will not fight for, here's a statement from Chip Roy. He'll fight for everything that doesn't matter because he will not fight for election integrity. In fact, according to Chip Roy, for the record, the representatives from Texas believe that they should have to defer to Washington defer to the federal government on what we should do for election laws in the state of Texas. Well, you, my friend Chip Roy, can go fly a kite because that is bullshit. And this is the first time I've brought this issue up here on the Sea Report. We've talked about this on Lone Star News. This is what we do at, this is what we do at Lone Star News. We pick the bones clean of people like this asshole who think that uh, they will fight for every little petty argument that you can imagine. And when it comes down to the sacredness of our vote, Second Amendment is actually second to that, guys, because our vote literally represents our freedom, okay? And he's willing to sell out our state's right to the federal government for our freedom? But he'll fight for your rights not to, to, to not to kill babies. And I'm, I'm down with that. And he'll fight for the Second Amendment. You know I'm down with that. I'm down with all of that, chippy boy. But I am not down with that. Okay? And I am not down with that. So, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, we'll be digging into it again this Saturday on Lone Star News. <laughs> We'll be back, guys. Um, thank you all for tuning in tonight here at the Sea Report. I hope that this uh, 
I hope that this was a, uh, a, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm sure you guys did. I had a great time hanging out with you. Thank you all again. Crenshaw, do not trust. He is a, he is a student of the World Economic Forum. He was in a class with Tulsi Gabbard where he learned all of his bullshit. Sorry, guys. It's the end of the show. I'm allowed to cuss. Although the podcast uh, audience probably be like, oh, my God, my ears. I'm going to get I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get a PG-13 R rating on the podcast stations. Oh, casual GG. You want to know about Alabama? I'll hop back into it real quick. Tell you what, guys, I'm going to hop back into Alabama. And uh, while I do that, the scratching has been released. Hang in there with me. Don't dip on me just because I released the scratching. Otherwise, I'll believe what all the other content creators say. Uh, oh, Steve Womack, also of Arkansas. Um, he also signed it. Let me see here. What else do we got? Alabama, Alabama. Uh, let's see here. Indiana, New Jersey, Idaho, Georgia, Louisiana. Da, 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 da. Alabama's clear so far. Um, California, New York, New York, Michigan, uh, Louisiana, West, North Carolina. Ooh, I'm on the second page and I'm not seeing Alabama yet. Hey, casual GG. I didn't know you were still there, sweetie. Sorry about it. Uh, let's see. And uh, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Louisiana, Louisiana. Wow. I don't think they uh, did. That might be a good on you guys. One person, Jerry L. Carl of Alabama, authorized the NDAA in the house. There you go, Miss Casual GG. All right, guys. Yep, vote is number one, Aurelius. It is number one. Thank you all for being in attendance today. I appreciate y'all hanging out, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hey, the speaking easy. I see you there. What's up, dude? I called uh, California and Texas. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, before you head out the door, just keep it in mind uh, or, or let your friends know. We are, of course, doing a bit of a fundraiser just to get Maya but secured over in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, any donations by way of Cash App, uh, PayPal, or Gold Pill donations over at the foxhole.app or pill.net are most appreciated. And again, guys, I would not be doing this without y'all support. And for that, I am most definitely thankful. All right. With that said, we will see you tomorrow. Don't forget, we'll have the Sea Report, 7.30 p.m. Central, same place, same time. Hey, Deborah, I don't know where you, where is you at, girl? Okay. <laughs> and uh, we'll also have Mr. C in the dark tomorrow. I'm trying to arrange some things for that. And, uh, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, we'll either do a watch party or something. Because the panel I'm wanting to put together has not quite come together yet. With that said, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, if you are over at the foxhole.app, don't worry, Aurelius, I'm looking at you. Don't you worry, bud. But if you are over at the foxhole.app or if you are over at pill.net, uh, you got some options for you. I might pop over into Belushi. I might pop over into Average Joe Patriot. I might pop over to the Texan. Uh, but, uh, either way, guys, I would say check them out. I recommend them. And, uh, there's several others. You got brain pods, you got Patriot news, you got table of Titans, you got magical Trevor, you got PSB all at your discretion, guys. Till then we will see you tomorrow. Have a great night. And, uh, as always, um, God, uh, be safe, <laughs> be blessed and God bless America. 
We'll see y'all tomorrow.